Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description of this stream right now where you can go ahead and get your questions in there. As of right now, we just have a few questions. So you can, if you get your question in there, it's guaranteed it'll get answered on the stream today. So go ahead and get your question down there. If you are somebody that's hanging out here in the chat, you're like the early bird squad. So because of that, uh, you know, if you got a question, like get it in there right now. Um, so we can get it answered uh, on the stream today. But I do wanna let you know if you are watching this on the replay that this live stream is jam packed with all kinds of awesome information about YouTube, growing YouTube channels, getting views, getting subscribers, making money. And in addition to those like base problems that a lot of content creators have, there's also a lot of additional things that creators deal with as well. And those are the types of questions that will come in and we'll answer those during the stream today. So. Basically every single question that we answer during the stream is submitted by somebody that's watching the stream. So as of right now, I don't know the questions that are in there. I don't know the things people are gonna ask, but we just go through and we answer them. So what I encourage you to do, if you are watching this on the replay, is just skip through a little bit and find you know the questions that resonate with you. We've also got timestamps down in the description if you're watching this on the replay, where you can go down there and you can just see the list of different things that we've talked about. And you can just click to the ones that are the most relevant to you to possibly help you with a problem that you're having with your YouTube channel or with something that you're trying to understand at a deeper level to help you thrive better here on YouTube. And for those of you that are here, welcome to the stream. Hope that you're having a fantastic week. I'm excited to get this stream rolling today. I do want to let everybody know um, that this stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you optimize your videos for discovery, help you test your thumbnails to make sure that all the thumbnails that you are putting out for your content are effective for the audiences that you're trying to reach. In fact, their A-B testing tool just by itself is worth the price of admission. But what it does is it shows you how people respond to your thumbnails in different places on YouTube. So for example, if you want more homepage traffic, then you would go with the one that performs better there. If you want more you know, search traffic, you would want the thumbnail that performs better there. If you want recommendations in general, then you'd be like, hey, how am I doing in browse and how am I doing in suggested? And then you know you would use those particular thumbnails that perform better there. So in addition to those particular things, they've got 90 different tools that'll help you with your YouTube channel. So if you have not tried TubeBuddy yet, make sure that you give them a shot at tubebuddy.com slash Nimmin, and you can see what TubeBuddy can do for you. I've got links to that and a bunch of other helpful tools for you down in the description as well. But this stream is co-sponsored or co-brought to you by Stream StreamYard, which is the live streaming platform that I use to live stream this every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. And the reason I use StreamYard is because it's easy, <laughs> right? I'm not trying to, I'm not, even though like I got camera switch and stuff, like I'm, I'm just trying to make this easy, right? Like I'm not trying to have a hard time, you know, every time I go live streaming, I used other software and I used to have that problem where we would get ready to start a live stream. And then because of the, the you know, updates and things like that, it would make it to where I literally would have to leave our studio and go home in order to do a live stream. So a stream yard that's never happened. So in addition to it being really easy on your computer, then making it really easy to bring guests into your show. It also is hosted in the cloud, which means if you have any tech problems, then 
StreamYard's going to hold your stream open for you so that you don't lose the viewers that you have in your stream and you can come back in on your phone, which is great because you can use StreamYard on a, on a phone or you can use it on a computer. So you can try StreamYard for yourself at StreamYard.com or of course, I've got links to them down in the description as well. And like I mentioned, you know, I got links down there to a bunch of, you know, helpful tools that will add value to you as a content creator. In fact, I've got a link down there to something that you guys need to check out. Um, it is, um, it's called Tube Spanner, which, you know, a lot of you that are here right now, you've heard me talk about Tube Spanner. I even have this little notepad thing that I pop up for Tube Spanner users so that you can make sure to get your notepads open to, you know, take notes on the stream today. But one of the things that in addition to the notepad, in addition to all the other tools that TubeSpanner has, um, one of the things that um, it has now is an AI script writing tool. So uh, ChatGPT just started charging people for that one. And if you've been using that, then, you know, it's free if they don't have a lot of, you know, traffic, but as soon as their traffic starts ramping up, then they close it down and only paid users get in as the priority. So it becomes an inconvenience at that point. Plus how they give you the information, you have to like copy and paste stuff and, you know, have it rewrite parts and then paste those things out. And it just kind of, it's just not a great workflow. Um, with TubeSpanner, it uses something called hold and modify. And basically the idea is that you have the parts of your script that you like like, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to mess with those because I dig those. But for the parts that I want to rewrite, or I want to, you know, expand in terms of, you know, add to the information and so on, you just click a button and then it just works on that part of the script. So it's really easy. You can try it out at tubespanner.com. Um, I actually have a video that's going to be showing up in my community feed tomorrow about a step-by-step, -step, like how to use it. And I really recommend that you check that out. Um, if you're going to use it or not, just so you can see the power that this thing has, because it's really, really impressive. Um, but anyway, today, um, I, if you're just joining us, we are talking about YouTube. I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, um, there's a form down in the description. We can go ahead and get your questions in there right now, um, and we will get them answered here on the show today. Um, but really quick, before we do that, I just want to give some shout out. Chantel Hills, what's up? Hope you're doing fantastic. Tiffany, I um, hope that you are doing great as well. Brad, Magic Flying Potato. Mike, Hybrid Steel, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing awesome. Amy Johnson, I hope that you're doing fantastic today. Doug Houston, YT, Ernie, hope all of you are doing fantastic. Hope that you are, hope you had a great week. Um, I've had an awesome week, just been, you know, working, making videos, you know what I mean, doing the thing. So uh, super excited to, uh, you know, be here today, live streaming so that we can, you know, help you hopefully, um, you, know, uh, you know, better understand YouTube, or possibly help you solve a problem that you might be having, you know, with your YouTube channel or, you know, with your videos performing or something like that. So we're going to go ahead and get into the um, actual content that, you know, the part that you're in here for. And the very first question is from a channel called Soothing Scenes. Soothing Scenes says they upload one time per week or more. They do relaxation content and the goal of the channel is to help people relax, sleep and focus. Um, the question is, my nature relaxation channel got demonetized after one week due to reused content. We film all the content ourselves. Our videos are three hours long, but the video and audio is looped. We have a lot of flowing water videos, which are similar. The titles and descriptions are all kind of similar as we found there are only so many ways that you can talk about a flowing river. YouTube doesn't give you a specific reason to why 
why it got demonetized. Should I send the appeal video or should I take a stab in the dark and change the titles and descriptions and make them all completely different and reapply? Um, or do I need to completely rethink my channel? So in my opinion, because they are getting kind of strict on this now, because especially with all these YouTube automation channels popping up, showing people how to, you know, do kind of what it is that you're doing. And I'm not saying that you're doing the automation route because you're saying that you make everything yourself. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, channels right now showing people how to make channels, but be kind of hands off with what it is that they're doing. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, just grabbing music from somewhere, grabbing images from somewhere or video stock videos from somewhere, and then putting them together, uploading them to YouTube, smacking a title and description on it and putting a thumbnail in there. And then, you know, hopefully getting enough activity to get into the partner program where then you can get enough money to make that profitable. And then you basically just rinse and repeat that process and just keep, you know, kind of scaling up. So because of that, you know, they're getting, you know, a little bit more strict and they have been, you know, for, for a while on this particular thing. So what I recommend that you do um, is I would personally, I would go through and I would try to make the content as different as you possibly can. I know you have loops and that might be part of the problem that you're going to run into. So I had a channel, it's a little funny story here. So I had a channel that I started to where I was giving away, cause you know, we have our free music service, Creator Mix actually. Um, I've got links to it down in the description. It's free music for content creators, but we tried to do the same thing for stock footage too. So um, this was probably, I don't know, three years ago, I started a channel called Free Stock Vids. Um, it's still up. But basically what it was is I was uploading just, you know, random, you know, clips that I shot. And with those random clips, what I did, because I know not everybody has, you know, video editing software that has like color grading and things like that. So I took one clip and then I put, you know, like a black and white version in there. Maybe I put one that had just like a little bit more color grading to make it, you know, have a little bit more of like a certain look. I put the raw video in there um, and I basically put that in the loop to show people that, hey, you know, this, you can get this for free, but we've already got some treatments on this. So you can just kind of cut out the part that you don't want and just use the part that fits for the project that you're working on. And what happened is I actually got that channel taken down because of, you know, the same exact thing for use content and in that particular case same exact thing in terms of the loop right because it was the same clip with different colors on it essentially um but the titles were different the subject of the video was different like everything else about it was different but the loop got me so i went through the dispute process and i was able to you know get it you know opened back up and it's still there i just stopped uploading to it because you know i was like well if this happened once it'll probably happen again so uh so i just stopped uploading to that particular channel and it's unfortunate because it was a free resource for you know content creators um but what i'm trying to express is I know that you're looping a lot of, you know, stuff with what it is that you're doing. So I would make sure that if you are looping that the loops are very long in terms of you have a lot of footage before it hits that loop. But I would try to make the content as different as you possibly can. If it is, you know, scenes of like a river flowing, I would at least try to hit different angles or something like that or do something that would separate the content. Um, but in my case, I just I just did the appeal and they uncovered or, you know, they fixed mine. So um, when you said, should you send the appeal video? I would do that. And the reason that you should send the appeal video, in my opinion, is I didn't have that choice. If I did, I would definitely make the video. And the reason that I would make the video is because it gives you an opportunity to plead your case and they can see that you're a real person. And you can say, hey, I make these things myself. And you like, you can show them if you wanted to, here's my computer, here's the footage that I'm using. You know, this is all my stuff that I'm putting together. And you can show that to them to where hopefully it will help them, you know, kind of open your case up a little bit or at least reinstate um, the, the, you know, the, 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 the content that you've had, uh, you know, that, that you've been dealing with issues um, about. 
So that's what I would do in the situation. So, you know, of course, take that, you know, as you will. Um, but that was, you know, the process that I went through and I just did the dispute because I didn't have the option to make the video. But man, if I did, I would have made the video just because you have that personal connect, just like making videos in general, right? You have that personal connection um, to where you're like, hey, you know, I did this and, you know, this is how I'm actually putting it together. And then it's another person watching you pretty much plead your case. Um, I think that would get you way farther than, you know, than just like a written um, uh, dispute or just going through their little, you know, wizard system, so to speak. So um, she's in her apron. Thank you for the super, super chat. It says, if I take a certain tip from a previous live show, instead of making a short, would a four minute video with B-roll be okay for my channel? Will the algorithm push it? So when it comes to YouTube's algorithm, here's something that you, that you have to understand is that YouTube's algorithm isn't necessarily like a push system, right? Um, it's a pull system. And what that means is a lot of content creators think that when they upload a video that it's up to YouTube's algorithm to basically promote the video on their behalf. But how it actually works is YouTube goes through their system based on the content that you uploaded and it looks at all the users of the platform and it says, okay, these particular users that are on the platform right now, based on the information on this video that the system has, which is why it's important to make sure you're filling out your descriptions and things like that with more than just a sentence, right? Um, but based on the information that the system currently has, um, you know, we're going to show it to these people that are on the platform right now that are the most likely to enjoy and engage in this content. And then from there, that's where videos live and die. So what happens from that moment is based on the people that YouTube is showing it to and based on how those people respond to your video is going to determine the reach that that video gets. Now, this isn't always the case like immediately after the video is published, but when they are giving you impressions on your video, which for those of you that are new, an impression is when YouTube shows your content to somebody on the platform. But when you are getting impressions from YouTube, it might take you a while, you know, for you know to actually start getting some traction on a video or you might hit the gate running. But the idea is it's not that the algorithm is pushing your content, it's that the, the system, the algorithms are figuring out or uh, charting or identifying how people are responding to your content. And if you're getting a high response in your content in terms of people are clicking on it at, at a competitive rate compared to all of the other videos that the system thinks that those people are gonna be a good candidate for, if they're clicking on it at a competitive rate and they're enjoying that content at a competitive rate, which is usually reflect, reflected through watch time, likes on the video, shares, those types of things, then what's going to happen is if the video is performing at a competitive rate for the pool of videos that they think is, is a good fit for those particular viewers, then what's going to happen is YouTube is going to continue showing it to more people until that response starts dying down. But if they start showing it to people and nobody responds to it, then what's going to happen is they're going to slowly start showing it to less and less people because you're just not able to get a response. And then what's going to happen is let's say your video's here and then there's other videos, you know, within that pool of videos that they're showing to the viewers that you're trying to reach. Then what's going to happen is if there's something that is um, um, something that is performing better than yours, then yours is going to end up falling down, and that one's going to end up taking the priority, right? So because of that, um, it's not that if you have a four-minute video with B-roll, will it be okay for the channel? The idea is if you have a four-minute video and it's all B-roll, 
it's perfectly fine as long as people enjoy it. So because of that, when you have, you know, if you're doing B-roll footage and that's, you know, all you're using for your content, make sure your story is awesome. Whatever it is that you're talking about in that video, make sure that you have a fantastic story attached to it or something that will, you know, pull people through that particular video. Because what you want to happen is you want people to click on it at a competitive rate, like I mentioned. And then once they enter the content, you want them, you want them to watch for as long as possible, hopefully get to the end, you know, click on one of your in-screen videos, watch that and so on. Um, but if you go into your YouTube analytics, so I'm not sure, you know, how long you've been on YouTube. So I'm just going to go over this for everybody that's here because I know a lot of, you know, new people are in here. So basically, when you um, go into your YouTube analytics, you can go into your um, um, advanced analytics and you can see your click through rate and your watch time and average view duration that you're getting from each different place on YouTube. You'll see it coming from YouTube search, you'll see it coming from home pages, you'll see it coming from recommended videos. So because of that, make sure that you are looking at your click through rate there compared to the impressions instead of just looking at it at the averaged out view that you see in your quick stats. And also make sure that you go into your audience retention reports. Now, if you're not familiar with what your audience retention reports are, those are a second by second graph that YouTube gives us that show us how people respond to our videos, um, you know, minute by minute, second by second, actually, um, on average. So you want to go in there. And if your videos are not getting the traction that you, you know, had hoped for, then you want to go in there and you want to say, okay, well, how are my videos performing? And when you're looking at your audience retention, you don't want to just look at your video because you have that option, but there's another drop down. That's for, for clarity in terms of the language, that is called absolute audience retention. And then if you go into the drop down while you're looking at your audience retention reports, when you actually click into it, then you're going to see an option, a little drop down that allows you to change it to relative audience retention. And then what that does is that shows you how well your video is competing with other videos of similar length on the platform, at least that pool that YouTube is showing to your viewers. So because of that, you can also use that as a gauge of, you know, how competitive your videos are. So um, if you look at those things, like if you're not getting, you know, any traction and you look at those things, then that will start to paint a picture of what could be happening in terms of why you're not getting that reach that you, you know, that you want. Um, in addition to that, if you have a brand new channel, um, your videos, you know, of course, if they perform extremely competitive, then you can have your very first video take off. However, um, if you are just getting like a handful of views on each on each video that you publish, that means that the videos aren't competitive yet, you know, for the platform, um, at least they haven't, you know, found that right viewer, you know, on the platform yet. But basically, um, if you're not getting a lot of views, then it takes a longer amount of time for your channel to collect the data that tells YouTube who is or isn't a great fit for your video. So when you go into your YouTube analytics and you're using that information that's available to us, it kind of helps you paint a picture of why videos do and do not perform. So hopefully that helps. Feel free, you know, because this will be up on the replay. So feel free to, you know, watch that back, um, you know, if you need to um, for clarity. But, you know, when it comes to them, you know, pushing content and having, a, you know, a video that's entirely B-roll, um, that's perfectly fine. As a matter of fact, some, there's some channels that the entire channel is nothing but B-roll. And some of those channels just crush, like they do so good. Um, just because, you know, the, the the actual voice presentation is good and the information that is being shared is a little bit more, you know, broad audience and those types of things. So you can definitely thrive with that type of content, but you just have to learn how to do it in a way that causes the people that you're trying to reach to respond to it at a competitive level. 
Um, the next one, that next question that we have here, thank you for the super chat here. Wild City Podcast says, happy hustling, everybody. Good morning in Texas. Woo! <laughs> hope you're doing, uh, hope you're doing awesome. Thank you for the, uh, thank you for the super chat there. And uh, let's see here as we keep, I'm just kind of catching myself up in the scroll here. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech. Viper, man about tech in the house. What's up, my dude? Hope that you're doing fantastic. Kathy Fit, what is going on? Hope that you are doing awesome as well. Sterling Truck Drivers says, um, I really don't care if my channel gets views or anything. It's more about community, but I enjoy your content even if I don't take your great advice. That's cool. Thank you for that. And I, you know, I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, like when it comes to, you know, not caring if you get views or anything, you know, if you are trying to build that community, then, you know, if you do, you know, kind of fine tune things and, you know, you spend that time, like, you know, just learning how to get that better response, then you'll grow your community faster and you'll have a much, you know, you'll just have a much, you know, bigger, stronger community um, around what it is that you are, you know, around what it is that you are, uh, what it is that you're doing. But absolutely, I understand that. Some people start YouTube channels just because they, you know, want a place to put up content. They just want to connect with you know, like a handful of people. Totally cool. You know, that's that's cool. Thank you. I'm glad that you're enjoying the content. Corky Dude, super chat. thank you for the super chat. Super appreciate it. It says, thanks to you, my channel is growing. Thanks to you, your channel is growing, right? I'm just giving you information. You're doing the work. <laughs> thanks to you, your channel is growing. Coach Sherry, what's going on? Welcome to the uh, stream today. Jerry Papandre, what's up, my dude? Saw him on Instagram because I was live streaming on Instagram before I uh, before I came over here. By the way, if you're not yet, make sure you're following me on Instagram. Make sure you're following me on TikTok as well because as soon as I hit the threshold on TikTok, I'm gonna start live streaming over there also. And I'm also uploading some other content over onto TikTok that isn't necessarily you know the type of you know stuff that I upload here, or it's just like really quick tips you know related to you know being a content creator. And I uh, you know I, I just encourage you to you know. Make sure you're following me in um, in both of those places. Two Spanner, thank you for the super chat. Danielle says, um, I started a new channel talking about different calendars. It's not doing very well. It says, or its days are numbered. Nice, nice. Love it, love it, absolutely love it. I'm serious, you need a coffee table book. I'm gonna say that every time you, every time you leave a joke in here. <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. Um, let's see here, scrolling down here. I thought I had one more. Okay, here we go. So uh, Don's Empty Kitchen says, you're awesome, way too much energy, but awesome. Here's the thing, Don, you should see me like shortly after I get up, like once I hit my stride in the day. Um, like right now it's like 9.20 p.m. where I am. So uh, like I have to have like a second coffee, you know, to kind of, you know, get a little, you know, focused and dialed in here. Like you should see the energy. Like if you ever get the chance to come to a conference that I'm gonna be at, come and hang out there and you'll see the, uh, you, you'll see, you'll see what happens in the uh, daytime. I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit obnoxious. You might be like, you know what? You're not so awesome. You need to chill out, dude. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. Love it. So uh, let's see here. So next up on our list for the uh, question says the creator, oh, it's from the creator classroom. Um, they do how-to content. The goal of the channel is to teach people how to use Canva. She has a lot of content over there focused on content creators as well, just so you guys know. But, um, hey, thanks for the um, heads up there, Tiffany. I appreciate it. Super chat. I'm going to hit that just for a quick, uh, you know, check there. We'll, we'll do Viper again real quick. All right. Yeah, hopefully that works. Actually, we'll hit this one. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. So the question here for the, uh, for the Canva classroom is I'm not seeing all my subscribers 
featured videos, aka channel trailers, and some of my subscribers are not seeing my featured videos for returning subscribers. I know that some of them have it turned on, Doug Houston YFT, for example, and I do not see their featured videos. I've reached out via feedback and creator support, chat and email. It would be nice to find out if this is more widespread than just me. Can you look into it? Thanks so much. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't look into it um, in terms of, you know, like I don't have like a, like a fast path outside of my partner manager and some other YouTube contacts, but for things like this, this is more for like the YouTube community forum, um, tweeting at team YouTube, you know, those types of things for, you know, situations like this. Um, but if you do notice that it could be a bug, you know, cause those happen from time to time. So I would definitely, the easiest thing to bring it to their attention would be to at team YouTube on Twitter, if you haven't done that yet. And then that'll, you know, that'll put it on their radar. So somebody should look into it over there. Um, let's see here. Next up on our list here, we've got Irvine Mesa. Irvine Mesa says they do web coding tutorials. The goal of the channel is to teach junior and entry front end web developers. The question is, I now have 900 subscribers. Congratulations, by the way, 100 away from 1,000. High five fist bump in advance. I get an average of 150 per hours per month. I want to ask, when is it the right time to start live streaming? Do you have indicators which can tell me now it's okay to start live streaming? Also, is live streaming good for beginners without showing my camera face? How will live streaming affect my YouTube analytics? So when it comes to the watch time, as long as you have people interacting with your live stream, then you're, you, you, know, you can collect a substantial amount of watch time just from one live stream if you have people interacting with it. Um, when it comes to the right time to live stream, um, I recommend just getting into it. And the reason for that, even, you know, even if you just have you know, like a few subscribers on your channel, just trying it. And the reason for that is because, you know, it is something that, um, you know, for some people it's, you know, it's a little bit awkward when you first start because, you know, in addition to, when you're making video content and being in the room and just kind of talking to a camera, um, it's like that, but you do it for a longer period of time. And then you also can't edit anything. So because of that, you know, some people are a little intimidated by it and just the process of having your brain focus on the camera and focus on the information that you're delivering while also running whatever tech that you have. Um, that also can be a challenge without having too many lulls, so to speak, in the stream. So because of that, I would I would start now. And um, the reason I would start now is so that you can go ahead and just start working that skill. Um, but keep in mind, if you have 900 subscribers, you should have some people come in there. But just make sure when you are streaming that you are streaming about something. And this is where people break stuff, right? I will not break stuff, but this is where, you know, people kind of mess up when it comes to live streaming. Like, um, um, like you do web coding tutorials. So because of that, I wouldn't do a live stream where you're like, you know, just hanging out talking about the games you play, right? Like you can work that into the content if you want, but I would make sure that you are packaging up the entire thing and that you are offering in that live stream something related to web coding tutorials, right? Something related to web coding. And by doing that, you're gonna keep your live stream in alignment with the video content that you make and everything that you've you know made for the channel. So when YouTube is showing it to the people that are already interacting with your content, those people can come in and because you're adding a similar value or maybe it's you know a different type of value, but it's still for that same audience, then they're gonna come in and they're gonna be able to appreciate that additional value that you are adding. So because of that, I recommend that you go ahead and just get started. Um, get started with it. Tareth Ruby just hit 2,400 subscribers last night. Congratulations. Congratulations to you for that uh, 2,400 subscribers on your way to 3,000. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so uh, next up on the list here, we're on question number four already. This is from Engineer Your Life. 
this sounds like a motivational channel. Um, the type of channel is tech, business, career, and educational. The goal of the channel is to monetize my knowledge and experience and passion by helping others in a variety of areas, tech, legal, business, operational, etc. Question is, I only got started. Um, I have three shorts, but was hoping just to get a brief channel review that may help guide me in the right direction, specifically on obtaining more views. So I don't do those during these live streams. So I used to, um, but um, but I don't do those during this, these live streams anymore for the, you know, brief channel reviews. And really with three shorts, um, I probably wouldn't pull it up anyway, just because like, you're just in that very beginning process of like, you know, just, you know, just starting to do the thing. So the inf like, yeah, I, I that, you know, yeah, like I would give you a little bit more time, let you get more content up on the platform first. Um, even if you were like, if I was offering that service, even as a paid service, and you reached out, and you're like, hey, I want to pay you to do this. Um, I still wouldn't just because you know, you need more content on the channel, because right now you don't have any like real, you know, data or anything like that um, on your channel. So because of that, you got to go through the process of, you know, just uploading more content, getting better, you know, at the at the craft of, you know, learning how to make the actual content itself. Um, because, you know, three videos themselves couldn't give you like a ton of great information. But one thing that I can tell you is that right, and I'm not sure if you saw my facial expression, I logged it, so, but I'm not sure if you noticed it, is when you put in the information for the type of channel that you have, you said tech, business, career, educational. So one thing to make sure that you are thinking about, and I can tell you this without looking at your channel, is make sure that first you are getting very clear about the the very specific type of viewer that you're trying to reach this is really important when it comes to youtube especially these days um, but you want to make sure that you're getting very clear about the type of viewer that you're trying to reach and you also want to make sure that you're thinking about your channel as a resource for those viewers so for example since you're only doing youtube shorts right now which by the way is a great place to start um, so you're doing the right thing there for sure. But um, when it comes to YouTube shorts, the way that you wanna think about it in terms of the specific topics that you're talking about is if somebody clicks on one of those shorts, or I mean, if one of those shorts shows up on somebody and they're like, wow, this is great. I just learned this about uh, business. And then they click into your short or they click in your channel name and they go to you know the shorts area of your channel. And then they start looking through the other shorts you have. You wanna make sure that the other shorts that they see are also in alignment with things that that particular viewer would be interested in. So if you're doing tech, I recommend that you make sure that that tech is some type of business tech or that that tech is you know targeted towards that same you know group of people. Um, because like if you're doing business content over here, you're doing career educational content over here, and then you're doing like random tech content here, then what you're doing is you're making it hard for people to binge watch your content, and you're making it hard for people to understand what your channel's about. And when that happens, of course, people will subscribe from each individual video, but the problem will come from people like coming back and re-engaging in your, in your content. So because of that, you wanna make sure that you are getting a little bit, you know, a little bit more clear on who it is that you're trying to reach and that you do think of like a, a good core, you know, value proposition for your channel and you run all of your ideas through the filter of, will this piece of content be a great fit for this particular type of viewer that I'm trying to reach and that all of my other content is trying to reach? If the answer is yes, publish it. If the answer is no, then consider either having a different channel for it or something like that, because you definitely want to make sure that you are, um, you know, making everything for a certain type of, of viewer on YouTube. With that said, all you need is one short to take off and it'll change the game for you. But when it comes to you know you uploading long form content, people binge watching your content and stuff like that, you gotta be you gotta be thinking about that that one viewer that you're trying to reach.
Old Trish says, after many months of listening to Nick, I finally heard him change thumbs and views are, I finally heard him change thumbs and views are way up for me anyway. Nice, nice, love it, love it, love it, love it. You know, that's one of the things I was actually, you know, Danielle, who, who um, she's behind Tube Spanner. Um, she just dropped the super chat up here. She's the one that always does the, uh, the jokes in the um, chat. But I was talking to her one time and we were talking about these live streams specifically in some of the video content. And I was telling her, I was like, you know, I said, it's, it's kind of, um, challenging sometimes because in my own brain, I'm like, you know, I keep talking about, you know, these same things and blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that she mentioned, um, to kind of, you know, help me navigate that was she was like, you know, like for her, she was like, you know, it just took, you know, like, like some of the things it just takes some time to either sink in or I'll say it just a little bit of a different way. And it'll be like, Oh, that's what he meant. Or, you know, something like that. So I'm glad that, you know, that you, you know, that, that you're, where you're like, I finally heard him. That's what made me think about that. So, uh, you know, so because of that, it, uh, you know, it, it just kind of helps me in terms of like, okay, it's fine to talk about similar things because, you know, maybe I'll hopefully say it in a way to where somebody didn't understand something before, or it just wasn't that clear. Hopefully I'll figure out a way to say it. That'll, you know, that'll make it click and we'll make a, you know, we'll make a bigger difference for them. So the next uh, channel that we're looking at here is from John Pettigrew. What's going on, John? Hope you're doing awesome. Uh, they have a music channel. The goal of the channel is to do free for profit type beats. Awesome. Love it. Um, the question is, Nick decided to do a channel dedicated to um, free profit type, for profit type beats. Um, not getting much traffic, but SEO scores as far as the trap beats go. Would I be better just leaving as is and wait for the algorithm to figure it out where I'm directing it to than uploading loads? Should I break for a week or two? Don't break for a week or two. Continue uploading, but just make sure that you are trying different things. So if you are currently doing something and it's not working, so like you're structuring your titles in this way, you're making your thumbnails in this way. Cause I know like in that space, you know, having like a blank thumbnail with maybe like a logo in the middle or like a character in the middle or something like that is kind of popular. Or, you know, there's like certain looks for that type of, you know, content. So because of that, one, make sure that you are matching those looks so that if somebody um, sees that content on their homepage, that without even reading the title for the people, because I actually listen to that content. Like I listen to, you know, like all day long, like I'll listen to that kind of stuff on YouTube. Um, so the way that I identify that is I just look, I don't even look for it. Like I'll, you know, I'll see those similar themes that are similar to the, you know, type of music that I'll listen to. And then just by seeing the thumbnail without even having to read the title, I'll be like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's what I'm looking for. And then, you know, I'll, I'll hit the title from there just to confirm. And then I'll click into and just see if it's any good. So one thing to remember is that when it comes to doing beats on YouTube, um, there is the side of getting people to identify it and click on it. But then once they do, they're also going to be judging your beat. So because of that, just make sure like, you know, like as you're progressing through, you know, through this with your music, as you are, you know, progressing through this time on YouTube, um, just make sure that you are looking in your audience retention reports as well, because, you know, as a music channel, you might think to yourself like, hey, audience retention reports, those are just for people that like talk on camera or that put together like this other type of content, but not for music. But in reality, if you are putting out music content, one of the things that you can do is you can say, okay, I'm going to go into my audience retention reports and just see how people are vibing with my intro. And then like, let's say that, you know, my intro has got this build up, and then I go into the beat, you're going to be able to see in your audience retention reports, the parts of the song that people are into. And then from there, that's, that's information that you can leverage for additional music that you're putting together as well. Now, keep in mind, you know, some of that you may or may not want to, you know, kind of cater to, but you know, just because it kind of 
can throw a wrench in the art sometimes. But if you are trying to get a response on YouTube and you're trying to sell more beats, then using your audience retention reports to learn what the people that are interacting your content, um, interacting with your content are responding to at a higher level, um, that's going to, you know, help you ultimately sell more in the long run. So because of that, I would definitely make sure that you are paying attention to your audience retention reports as well. And you're using that as kind of a guide because you might find that like, hey, I'm doing these like awesome intros. They sound great, all of this, but you might find that when people click on one of those beats that they're expecting something else. And and you'll be able to identify that quickly in your audience retention reports. And you might find that, hey, you know, all my videos that don't have an intro, they, that you know, the audience retention drops off right when those starts, but the ones that have an intro, people will watch for a longer period of time. Or the ones that don't have an intro, people respond better to those in terms of retention compared to the ones that have these, you know, build up intros. So I would definitely use that information. It'll help you craft everything in a better way in order to, you know, make better music that you'll also be able to sell. And I'm just talking about at the structure level. So when you put it up on like BeatStars or something, then in that case, um, you know, you can still add your intro to it. If you find that like, hey, my intros are, you know, really hurting, you know, my retention here, then you can still put those in, in, in beat stars. You can still have those as part of the songs because they can cut them out of the stems. But one of the things that you can do is you can say, okay, if I find that this is how people are responding to it on YouTube, then I'm going to make some of these modifications when I'm, you know, for the songs that I'm putting on YouTube, but I'm still going to put the full track out onto uh, beat stars or whatever it is that you, you know, whatever place it is you use to sell your beats. So hopefully that helped. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list, um, let's see here. Got a mod convo. One second. Sounds are soft. Okay. Learn Spanish world says member for five months is audio library channel related to YouTube. I used a track and I got a copyright claim. Um, I appealed and it was rejected. It's copyright music offered to creators. So um, there is a YouTube channel called audio library and that particular channel, I'm not sure. Um, that's not directly connected to YouTube. YouTube actually has their own area. If you go into your creator studio. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. If you go into your creator studio down on the bottom left-hand side, you're going to see um, a little area for music down there. Um, but you're not going to be able to pull that information from like a public-facing YouTube channel. So, um, so hopefully, you know that that will help you get that uh, taken care of. Cathy Fit says, "Use the creator uh, mix music in my live channel. Lo-fi music is awesome. Thank you, indeed, for that. My pleasure. I've actually got some creator music lo-fi." playing softly in the background right now during the stream. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but I'm glad that you, uh, glad that you, uh, glad that you are enjoying Creator Mix. And by the way, if you're not familiar with Creator Mix, Creator Mix is a free music service um, that my brother D um, and myself put together for content creators. So if you're currently paying for music, you can still do that, but we also have like a whole library of stuff that you can, you know, pick from and you can use freely in your videos and it's all, it's all free um, for content creators. So just a heads up, you can also, if you just want to listen to some good lo-fi like she's talking about or some other genres that we have, you can just look for Creator Mix on like Apple Music, Spotify, um, all the, all the, you know, mainstreaming platforms. Um, let's see here. So next up, I saw some super chats come in, so I'm going to get those taken care of here um, really quick because I, I, I see that I've, I've missed some here. So the next one is from Aperture Movement. Super Thank you for the super chat. Says, I have a question about value proposition. Should your value proposition be specific? Absolutely. 
So the reason it should be specific is the way that you want to think about your value proposition on your YouTube channel is that you want to think, okay, if somebody lands like on my channel page, because I'm going to put my value proposition on my channel art, and I'm also going to put it in my, um, just a short value proposition on my channel art. And I'm also going to put it in my about me page. You can expand on in your about me page if you want. But basically um, the idea is so that they can land on your channel page or they hear you say it in your videos and you can just add that clarity, explicit clarity to what it is that you do. So for example, you know, you'll see some channels that'll be like, hey, this is your first time here. Um, you know, I help, uh, let, let's see here. Uh, what do you do? Aperture movement. I'm not sure if you're, yeah, I'm not sure exactly the content that you put out, but let's say for example, um, if you had a channel uh, that was helping people make recipes for diabetics, right? Then in that case, you'd be like, you know, hey, um, by the way, you would say this somewhere in your video, by the way, um, you know, if you're new here, uh, my entire channel, uh, we uh, make delicious, you know, recipes for diabetics. And then, you know, that's it. And then you, of course, you could ask them to subscribe there if you wanted to also, but um, just as a, you know, hey, welcome to the channel where we, you know, make delicious recipes for diabetics in under 20 minutes, um, right? Like those types of things. So then that way, it just gives you that clear statement to say. So for example, if it was if it was me, like on my channel, I just have like YouTube and video tips, but really my value prop is I help content creators thrive on YouTube. So if I had it on my, you know, if I wanted to drop that into videos, I can. Um, I have different variations of that that I've used in videos, but these days I don't really, you know, put that, I just kind of let the title and thumbnail and stuff speak for themselves. But I am gonna start asking people to subscribe again, um, just because that's, so effective. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. So next up, we've got uh, Coach Sherry says, what are the pros and cons to live streaming without showing your face similar to a radio or talk show? People connect with people. So when it comes to live streaming, you can absolutely live stream without showing your face. There's a lot of music channels that live stream and those music channels, you know, they, you know, they'll have like 24 seven live streams going to where people can just step stop in and they can just listen to music whenever they want, like lo-fi girl, for example, and a bunch of other channels that do that. So the idea there is that they're live streaming without showing their face. They're just putting up music content. And through that, they are creating that resource for people that just want to chill out and just listen to it while they study or relax or whatever the thing is. So if you're content type supports it, then having some type of, you know, like radio show or something like that, that you had, you know, that you would do on a regular basis would be fine. But keep in mind, you know, if you are sitting there talking to people, then in that particular case, people might get more connection to you if you did hop on camera. But I know some people are uncomfortable with that. But um, another thing when it comes to the, you know, radio talk show type of thing is it's not very interesting on the hover preview either. So like you have your title and your thumbnail, somebody, let's say somebody sees your live stream pop up in their, in their mobile feed. When that happens, you know, it's just like this static image of maybe something, you know, just kind of moving on the screen, one of those little audiograms or something like that. And when you have something like that, it's just not as interesting or compelling to, you know, click into. But, you know, you can definitely experiment with it, but I would, you know, I'm gonna guess that it's not going to end up doing very well, but it could. Um, so I would experiment with it if it's something that you want to try. Excuse me, if it's something that you want to try, but um, I recommend that if you are comfortable with it, that you do go on camera just for that, you know, just for that connection. Um, but if not, then in that particular case, um, if you, all of your content in your channel is all like faceless content, you're like, hey, I'm not putting myself on YouTube, um, that's perfectly fine. Then in that case, definitely experiment with uh, the other version of your stream and just see, you know, how people respond to it. Cause you know, you don't have to do it all the time if you find that people, you know, don't respond to it. But in terms of pros, 
One, less prep because you just have to work on the audio and not the video side. Two, people can't see what you're doing. So you don't have to focus on a camera. You can just focus on like the tech and just, you know, have the conversations that you're going to have. Um, cons are you are going to, you're going to lose, you know, some of that connection. So of course, you know, we do connect through audio as well. Podcasts, you know, prove that radio prove that in the past, but, um, uh, you know, that, that, face-to-face -face connection. It just, you know, helps in a major way when it comes to a human-to-human -human, uh, connection. Um, let's see here, Kazadori719, thank you for the super chat, says, how important are the first hours of a video? Um, advice on YouTube best upload slash live times and days. Tried the TB and YouTube analytics recommendations, but most of the time don't see much difference. So keep in mind, even if you're publishing at an ideal time, it still comes down to your ability to get people to respond to what it is that you're doing. So you could publish at the ideal perfect time for people, you know, to where your audience and the people you're trying to reach are on YouTube, but if YouTube shows it to some people and they don't respond to it, or they don't respond to it at least at a, at a rate that's competitive for the platform, then what's going to happen is it's going to, you know, you're not gonna see much of a difference. So because of that, if you're not seeing a lot of a difference and you're trying all these different things in terms of like, when you're posting and, and that kind of stuff, then in that case, I would actually start looking at other things that you can experiment with. Maybe it's your thumbnails, maybe it's your titles, maybe it's both, maybe it's the actual topic of the things that you're sharing. And by doing that, then it's going to, you know, help you hopefully uncover the things that, you know, people will respond to a little bit better. But um, in terms of the first hours of a video, so when you first publish your YouTube video, um, it is important because, you know, the faster you can get people responding to your video, the faster YouTube will collect that data and know who to and who not to show your content to based on how the other people are interacting with your content. So because of that, it's important because, you know, like if you can, you know, get people to respond quickly, then that quickly teaches the system, you know, how good your video is. Um, however, it's also important to note, according to YouTube, that you're, I mean, not just according to YouTube, but according to, you know, just anybody that has a, a YouTube channel, you know, that has experienced this also, you have the um, uh, situation to where you'll publish a video right out of the gate and you'll be like, oh my God, this sucks. People, people aren't responding to this at all. And then, you know, it'll go for like a week or two weeks, or, you know, in some cases it'll go for you know, like a month or something. And then you'll be like, Hey, wait a minute, this view is starting to get views. And then like, next thing, you know, you know, that video is driving like a lot of daily viewers to your channel and stuff like that. So it's important because of view velocity, which is basically just teaching YouTube, the people that respond to it and don't. Um, but it does, isn't necessarily the defining point on if your videos are going to perform or not. Um, in terms of the best times, yeah. So basically if you use YouTube analytics, um, which you said that you've already done, that's gonna show you when the people that YouTube is showing your content to is online. So you definitely wanna make sure that you are publishing when you know, the, or you're, at, you're going live. You wanna publish right as people are starting to come on, but you wanna go live as soon as you, as soon as you hit that mark in the day where people, like there's the most people, uh, you know, in your, uh, you know, community or the people that YouTube is showing your content to, where there's the most of them um, online. So you don't wanna ride that train, so to speak, like you do with video content. You wanna make sure when you're live because you're only there for that, you know, amount of time. So you gotta make sure that you publish your live stream when you know more people are on the platform so you can get more of them and hanging out in your live stream d patience Super says my chat. channel will be about ai marketing would you use your own name or a brand name that includes ai what if the niche gets old down the road so in terms of ai um i don't think it's going to get old down the road i could be wrong right you know like things like this pop up from time to time um but 
you know, I personally think that when it comes to AI, that this is going to end up doing to the world something along the lines of what electricity did in terms of the, you know, the change that is going to come because of, you know, this technology. So, you know, AI has been around for a while, but, you know, in terms of, you know, just consumer use and it being kind of like a play thing of sorts to where it's like, hey, let me just go and just use some of these tools and, you know, do all this cool stuff. Um, you know, that's a fairly new thing, but, you know, we're just at the tip of the iceberg um, with it. So I don't think it's going to be fading anytime soon because we've already seen, um, you know, the power of this. In fact, I have a video coming out on the Tube Spanner channel. Um, you can find that channel to go to Tube Spanner on YouTube, but I have a video um, that I'm going to be posting in my community feed tomorrow about the AI script writing tool inside of Tube Spanner. It's incredible. So basically like um, the structure, if you've used the script writing tool in there before, you know, it already has like the structures, it has, you know, like the different, um, you know, sections of the script broken down into individual parts. But one of the, um, the, the really cool things is you just, you can hit a button, it'll write the script for you based on the title that you put in. And then you can say, I like this part, I'm not touching it. Um, I want to add more to this part, click this button, bam, as to that part, um, this part right here, eh, I don't really like how that sounds, let me just rewrite it. And you hit that, you just hit that button, and then it rewrites it. So you can literally go through that script, and you can be like, okay, change, 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 change. That's good. Let me kind of move it around a little bit to make it make a little bit more sense. Um, let me delete this part right here. Let me make a little bit of modification so I can kind of make it in my own voice. And then you're like off to the races. Like it's incredible. So um, in terms of, you know, AI, just a quick rant on AI. Um, like I think it's, you know, I think we're, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. I don't think it's going to be fading out anytime. Um, but um, in term of in terms of your own name versus a brand name. So I can talk on this one from just personal experience. So the downsides of using your own name, and there's upsides too, but the downsides of using your own name um, is it is it, it can um, lean towards like you know privacy problems. So like for example, you know when you have when you use your own name, one of the things that you might have is you might have other accounts online, or you might have like messaging stuff and you know things like that that are that's in your own name. And I'm like careful what I'm saying here. <laughs> Don't want to you know share too much there, but like you know you have all these different things that are in your name. And then once somebody like uncovers that and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I wonder if I can find them here under that name and here under that name and here under that name, then like you can just randomly start getting messages from people and it can be intrusive. Like I've had people wake me up at like, you know, three in the morning before, not just once, but on like multiple occasions, like waking me up in the middle of the night um, just through, you know, uh, you know, a Skype call on my phone. So, you know, because of that, I had to, you know, just kind of stop using that Skype as much and stuff like that. But the idea is that you do run into those types or you can run into those types of issues. Um, in addition to that, on the other side, um, or the positive side, let's, let's go this way. So the positive side of using your own name on YouTube for your, you know, for your channel name is that, you know, you do get the opportunity to build your personal brand. So you get known as you, which is awesome. So instead of it being like, hey, it's, it's, hey, it's that person from that channel, it's just that person. Right, so so it's just a a little bit stronger that way. Um, another downside is down the road. Let's say you have everything going, everything's awesome. You want to start building a team that also makes content for your channel. Um, you can do that under a name, but it's a little bit awkward. So because of that, you'd probably want to change it to a brand name at that point. But when it comes to a brand name, it 
leaves a layer of privacy. Um, it also makes it to where, like in your videos, you can just start it. Like um, if D is your first name, um, it's my brother's name too. But if D is your first name, then you can, like, like in your videos, you can be like, hey, I'm D, welcome back to the channel, blah, blah, blah. And you don't even have to drop the last name, which means that the, you know, the layer of privacy that you keep is, you know, pretty high um, or pretty, you know, protective or pretty thick, that layer, right? Um, and then um, um, when it comes to hiring people in the future to make content, if you are using a brand name, then it just makes that a lot easier because then it's like, hey, I've been the personality of this channel for a long time, but I would like you to meet this person. They're also gonna start making content with me here on this channel. And then you start having that conversation with them over time and you slowly fade yourself out while you slowly start moving everything over to them or or those people that you end up you know, bringing on board. So what I recommend that you do is think long-term. Like, what is it that I'm actually trying to do with this thing? If everything went exactly how it is that I want, would I hire a team? If the answer is no, that you wouldn't have other people making content for you, then, you know, then it makes more sense, you know, in that case to go with your name. If you're like, hey, I want to have all these, you know, privacy, you know, protection things, because, you know, people on the internet and sometimes can be very um, intrusive. So because of that, you know, I need to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, make sure that I'm using a brand name, you know, for that reason. So I would just go, you know, I would just think through those types of things um, before you, you know, before you make that call. So hopefully that made sense. Um, let's see here, Dark Bites. Thank you for the super, super chat. chat says, um, thanks for all your help. Long time um, TR player. How do I get a question answered? Is there still time? Absolutely. So um, that would have been a great place to put your question. But what you can do um, is you can just go ahead and just drop your question in here. And as long as I see it, um, then, hey, D, Nimmin in the house. What's up, man? He's like, yo, I'm D. <laughs> Brother D in the house right now. What's up, man? Um, so, yeah. So um, in your case, if you just want to drop your question, then hopefully um, Doug will catch it or I'll see it here in the chat. Um, and then we can just go ahead and get it answered. Because normally if you have if you drop a super chat, you can just go ahead and answer your question uh, You can, or ask your question there. Doug Houston YT says, oh, sorry, this is a, a mod message says, um, let's see here um, how we got here. Genealogy says uh, member for nine months. Hey, Nick, thanks for all your help. Almost uh, 21 or 2,153 views. Weird milestone. I know improving every video um, because of you sharing your knowledge. Glad that you are, you know, finding value here. Hopefully the whole trend conversation that we had yesterday and, and using the right, you know, language. Um, hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully that'll, you know, move the, the needle you know, further, uh, you know, in that right direction uh, as well. So uh, let's see here. So next up on the list here, we've got um, another super chat came in. We got super Spike chat. Wade says, my shorts views are plateauing around five to 8,000 per video. Any advice on reaching that 10 million? About to reach 1,000 subscribers. First off, high five and fist bump to you for about to reach that 1,000 subscribers. Second, um, when it comes to YouTube shorts, um, basically what happens just like all the other content on YouTube is, you know, when you first publish that short, it goes out to the people that the system thinks are most likely to enjoy it. And then as the content starts getting more broad audience, then it starts getting capped, right? So because of not just, it doesn't start getting capped. I, I said that wrong. I apologize. Um, when it starts going out to a more, you know, broad 
range of people, if they start responding less to it because they're not as an ideal fit for it, then that can cause you know the activity to slow down on the video and then YouTube will prioritize other high performing content um, for that similar audience over the content that you published. So to get over that mark, you got to pay attention inside of your, uh, you know, inside of your shorts to exactly how people are responding. Try to structure them a little bit differently to see if you can, you know, kind of break through that way. Um, work on your hooks, work on the actual topics of your shorts as well. Um, and just make sure that you are doubling down on the actual experience that people are having with shorts. If you can try to get them to loop as well, because that's also something that's effective for them, you know, getting, you know, going a little bit further. Um, but you know, if they're a more broad audience, then you're also giving yourself, you know, the, the, you know, the, the bigger chance for reach there. But keep in mind, you know, if it is broad audience, you got to make sure that you're going broad within your niche, right? For YouTube, if you're on TikTok or something, doesn't matter. But like when it comes to YouTube, you got to make sure that you're going broad within your, within your niche, especially for something like shorts. If you're trying to hit those bigger, you know, those bigger number thresholds. Roberto Blake in the house. What's up, man? Says, um, I can come on if you want. I absolutely want. Um, um, if you can give me like uh, 45 minutes to answer just uh, so I can start cruising through some of these questions. Um, and then, yes, um, I'll send you a link. I'm going to go ahead and send it to you. If you want to like get some coffee and, you know, just kind of, you know, um, kind of get ready. Um, I'm going to send it to you right now on Facebook. And then, uh, yeah, give me about 45. And then, uh, and then. Come on in. I just sent it to you um, in Facebook message, Roberto. So um, let's see here. So next up on our list here, we've got, um, we're in question number six now. So the gaming mom says, uh, let's see, says gaming for parents is the type of channel. The goal of the channel is monetization to help others. The question is my shorts seem inconsistent with views. Any idea why they're all over the place and any advice? It's disheartening. Thanks for all you do. So if you're getting in inconsistent views with shorts, wait until you start messing with long form content. So basically with all of this stuff, with everything on YouTube, this is important for all of us as content creators to, to really deeply understand and internalize. Everything we do comes down to how people respond to our content. Everything. So because of that, it's important to make sure that you are paying attention to how people respond to your content. Like it's really easy for us to just like, you know, make whatever it is that we're gonna make and upload it and just be like, okay, there we go, it's out. And what's going to happen if you just consistently do that is you might have some do better than others and you know, all of that. But if you're not paying attention to how people respond and you're not looking in your, you know, audience retention reports and all that and trying to, you know, make them just a little bit better each time you upload one, then what's going to happen is you're just going to keep, you know, throwing them out and just hoping to, I'm not saying you're like hoping to win the lottery. It's kind of a weird way to phrase it, but you're just going to keep putting them out there. Just like hoping some will pop off and some will but you won't be able to consistently nail it. But once you figure out like, hey, when I do these things, you know, people watch them for a longer time or they share them more or whatever the thing is, then in that particular case, you know, you'll, you'll start to develop a system that will help ensure that, you know, your videos will start getting somewhat of a baseline of views as long as you follow the rules that you set out for the things that you've noticed people respond to when it comes to your content. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Oh, interesting. My live video over on Instagram ended for no reason. All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess that's that then. Huh. Maybe I can back out of this and then go live again. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not going to mess with it right now. Okay. So uh, next up on our list, we've got Mokar. Mokar 
says that they do daily content. They do car content. The goal of the channel says I started as a hobby, but now I want to entertain people. The question is, how do you make your thumbnails? What editing platform do you use or recommend? Um, I personally use Photoshop for all of my design needs. <laughs> so um, I use Photoshop for um, thumbnails. I use Photoshop to kind of sketch out like video graphics. I, I use Photoshop for everything. Um, and then I'll move Photoshop like for video stuff. I'll move it into either Camtasia or I'll move it into like Premiere or something like that. Um, and then for the um, like thumbnails, it's all, it's all Photoshop, like 100% Photoshop for me personally. Just as a heads up though, cause that's me, but you know, there's a lot of different options for you. So there's like thumbnail apps that you can use. Tube Spanner has a thumbnail builder. TubeBuddy has a thumbnail builder. Um, um, there's Canva that you can use. There's Placeit that you can use, placeit.net. Um, like there's a bunch of different options that you can use for thumbnails, but I personally use Photoshop. So money, uh, Mo Money at the movies says that they do movie review content. The goal of the channel is to get better at making content and to grow a channel. The question is, are premieres good for small channels? The thing with premieres is that when you are um, when you are putting them out as a small channel, you don't really have the pull of people to get excited about coming into that premiere, right? Whereas if you have a more established channel, they make more sense. So I wouldn't do a premiere um, until you know you get a nice consistent amount of viewers into your videos. That's when that's when it would be a good time to go ahead and do premieres. Um, would be my recommendation for that. Of course, feel free to experiment at any time. But when it comes to premieres, like one of the things is they get recommended to the people that are most likely to enjoy it. But a lot of those core people initially are people that are already heavily engaged in your content. So because of that you, you know, you want to make sure that you do have a little bit of an audience buildup. Creaky Blinder in the house, my man, what is going on? Hope that you are doing fantastic. Nice to, uh, nice to see you in here. Hey man, when I came back, I know it's been a long time. Like when I came back from Vid Summit, I came into your live stream and we had talked about, you know, me hopping on there at some point. I still want to do that. Like I'm still interested in doing that. Um, I just, you know, I've, I've been, you know, the thing. So, um, so because of that, you know, please shoot me like an email or something so we can get, um, so we can get that scheduled up. Awesome to see you in here, man. So, uh, next up on the list, we got think stop, think stop. Um, they do, um, let's see here. It says not sure yet, maybe variety for the channel. The goal of the channel is to be a part of something big. And the question is, new future YouTube creators. So they haven't started their channel yet. My question is, is it typical and advisable to wait for months and research before creating, before ever creating a video and post on YouTube? Um, I, so if your research process, like if you've never created anything before, I recommend that you just start making videos. And the reason I recommend that you just start making videos is because there's a lot of, hey, um, nomadic introvert says pixel cut is also nice for uh, thumbnails. But when it comes to, um, when it comes to like researching a lot, like you can research until you are, you know, until you're like just exhausted from research, right? But the way that you really learn is through application, right? So it's like, you can learn something and you can be like, oh, okay, I have that knowledge in here, but it's not gonna do you any good until you start actually applying it and see how good you are at applying that information that you're learning. So, you know, there's a lot of people that will hang out in this live stream specifically, and they'll hang out here and they could probably talk, they could probably tell you, you know, as much, uh, they could probably answer your questions just like I do here, just based on continually hearing it, you know, from me when they're hanging out in the live stream. But out of the people that are hanging out in the live stream, some people 
choose to, or they just, you know, don't, you know, just, they just don't go through the process of not applying the things that they hear. So, you know, that they keep doing the things that they've been doing instead of being like, okay, I need to roll my sleeves up and actually start applying some of this stuff. So because of that, like the research side and hearing the information and knowing what you have to do is, you know what? In Matrix, the movie, The Matrix. <laughs> if you enjoyed the Matrix movie, just say me in the chat. But in Matrix, um, Morpheus, um, he tells Neo, he says, there's a difference between knowing the path and a difference, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, right? So when you're doing all that research and you're trying to like, okay, hey, I think, you know, I, I, I understand this, like that part's important, but like you really get it when you start walking the path, right? Because when you start actually making videos and doing the thing, then you start seeing, you know, hey, this is challenging, right? Like I hear this information, it sounds easy, but then when you start applying it, it's like, wow, you know, I need to start, you know, kind of working on this a bit, or I need to, you know, I noticed that I did this wrong, or I, you know, I did this thing and when I should have did this thing or whatever. But, you know, when you actually start making the content, you start doing the thing, then it starts, you know, then you start getting the information that will help you learn faster, right? So doing research in terms of like, hey, I'm starting a YouTube channel, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what it is that, you know, that I have the best chance of getting a high reach for, or I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I can monetize faster, you know, those types of things, that makes total sense. But when it comes to like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this for months, um, I, I, I recommend not doing that. Like I would just go ahead and start, you know, making some videos. I would get that base thing down in terms of like, okay, this is the niche. This is why I'm going into this niche. Um, this is, you know, the way that I'm going to be able to monetize this niche and all that, but you can figure that stuff out, you know, over the course of a day. But when it comes to doing the thing, nothing is going to teach you more than doing the thing. So, uh, so because of that, I recommend that you start making videos. In fact, set a deadline. If you're still hanging out in the stream, set a deadline right now. Anybody that's here that hasn't started a YouTube channel yet, but you want to set a deadline, mark it on your calendar and say, on this day, I'm going to publish my first video. And between now and then, do everything that you have to do, get everything ready, get whatever cameras you need. You know, if you're just doing it on your phone, that's fine. Do whatever it is that you need to do, research whatever it is that you need to research, all of that. But you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're walking towards that deadline. So mark it in your calendar. Today is the day, or that day is the day that I'm going to officially launch my first video and make it happen, right? So if you've been waiting and you've been like, ah, you know, let me do a little bit more research. I have a friend of mine. And, you know, hopefully, you know, like if he hears this, you know, I'm sure he won't take offense to it. But like, I have a friend of mine that's been researching YouTube literally since I would say 2016, right? And during that process, he'll jump in, you know, from time to time, he'll hit me up and he'll be like, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll start doing this YouTube thing, but you know, I got a little bit more research to do. And I'm like, dude, dude, just do it. Just start doing it. Just start doing it. And he's like, yeah, I will. I will just, you know, I just need a little bit more research to do. And during that research process, he'll get distracted and, you know, start doing other things. And then, you know, a handful of months later, maybe even a year later, he'll hit me up and be like, Hey man, I'm thinking of doing this, you know, YouTube channel thing again. So I really recommend that you just, you know, that you mark it in your calendar and that you start doing start doing the thing because that'll teach you faster than anything else that you're going to do
Linda's Lady Lair. Super chat. Thank you for the super sticker there and everything yours of super spirits. Chat. Thank you for the super chat as well. So new to the tube and I have two channels, one which is niche specific liquor related and the other is more vlogging reviews, etc. Since I'm new, should I have two separate channels or one channel with different playlists? Definitely two channels. Um, the reason I recommend the two channels, even though it's more work and it's going to be a little bit confusing because some things that will work on one channel won't necessarily work on the other. Um, but in terms of the the way that you're putting your videos together and what your audience responds to. Um, but you definitely do not wanna have one channel on it that has liquor, vlogging, and reviews about just like a bunch of things that aren't related. Like when you have the one channel that's niche specific and you're everything on that channel is talking about liquor, you can vlog if you're taking that that viewer to the liquor store and you set the whole thing up around you know liquor um because that's what they're interested in that's what they're coming to the channel for you can review stuff if it's related to liquor on that channel right so the idea is you when you're making a youtube channel you have to make sure that you're thinking about okay if somebody watches one video what's the likelihood of them watching another video based on the things that they care about ideally you want to get things to a point where people connect with you and you have a certain amount of viewers that will come in and watch something just because you made it and they like how you know you do the thing but you know the reality is humans we're all selfish and because of that we typically will click on the things that you know that that are interesting to us and we'll be taking that approach not necessarily like hey i'm going to watch this just because I like, you know, watching, you know, that person, it will be that person that is doing these things, right? So because of that, um, I would really isolate it down to, you know, to serving a particular type of viewer with a certain type of content. But when you do know that viewer that you're trying to reach, it, it also widens you up in terms of the content that you, uh, that you can make. So next up on our list here, we've got... Don's Empty Kitchen. Don's Empty Kitchen says that they do cooking for the poor. That's awesome. Um, the goal of the channel is to inspire people to use the stuff in the back of their cupboard, food bank baskets, 50% off old day groceries, and so on. The question is, what's the least time consuming way of getting your videos out to the most people? Make excellent content and tell amazing stories. With your type of content, tell great stories. Learn how to tell stories. With your type of content, learning how to tell stories and put videos together that support those stories, that's gonna be the win for your channel and your type of content. What you need to do right now is spend all of your time figuring out how to tell stories related to what it is that you do. So watch videos, read books, whatever, on storytelling until you can deeply internalize all that. That's something I'm working on this year as well. Um, but basically, you need to learn how to tell stories with your type of content um, because what it is that you're doing is something that people can get attached to. It's something that people, you know, you have the opportunity to pull at heartstrings and all that, which kind of takes the story thing to like a whole other level. So um, I would definitely focus on that. But at the end of the day, the way to get your videos out to the most people, if you're not doing some type of like PR campaign in your case specifically, um, if you're not doing something like that, we're trying to get in like new shows and stuff like that to bring attention to it is and even still you got to get people to click on it like even if even if you had some news channel pick you up some local news channel they brought you into their studio and you sit down you have this conversation you tell them what it is that you're doing you tell them the mission that you're on and how it is that you're helping people they have a lot of people go to your youtube channel they subscribe you're still going to have to for your to for that ball to keep rolling you're still going to have to learn how to get people to click on your videos and you're still gonna have to learn how to keep people watching um, and enjoying your content. And the best way in your case to do that is through storytelling. Um, now, in addition to that, um, Jerry Papandria mentioned YouTube Shorts. So YouTube Shorts is also another thing that you can do, but even within YouTube Shorts, I would tell short stories, 
right? Because just a video on like, hey, you know, if you have some stuff, you know, in the back, then you should be giving it to other people. That's one thing. But when you're actually telling a story and like, hey, I got these, you know, things in my cupboard and I was thinking to myself like, hey, you know, I, I got all this stuff. I'm not even, I'm not even using this. And there's so many people out there that could actually, you know, use these things. So what I did is I actually decided to take, you know, all of these food that I have in here. But my goal for this video is I need, is I'm actually going to take this little batch of food and I'm actually going to make as much food as I possibly can to feed as many people as I possibly can. But I'm going to try to make sure that, you know, with this food that I have, I'm going to try to feed at least 20 people with this. So let's see if we can do that. That would be more of like a long form, you know, video for that particular thing. But the idea is to, you know, take people through that process, even if it's, you know, in a YouTube short. Um, let's see here. Next up on the list is Learn Spanish World. Learn Spanish World does educational content. The goal of the channel is providing value to the YouTube community and eventually working full-time as a YouTuber. Question is, I have 90,000 and hopefully soon I'll hit 100K. That's what I'm talking about. Going for that play button. That's what I'm talking about. Love it says um, providing value to the YouTube community and eventually working full-time as a YouTuber. Okay, so I have 90,000 um, subscribers. Hopefully I hit 100K. It's been a lot of hard work. I'm thinking about starting a second channel. Is this a good idea or should I continue working with my first channel? I would still upload weekly, but dedicate more time to my new project. So that really comes down to your bandwidth. So I've entertained the idea of many times of going back and making content for my All Our Questions channel. I've entertained the ideas of starting, you know, like, like little like, hey, watch me learn music channels, like stuff like that even vlogging channels around Thailand, that kind of stuff. Like I've had all these, you know, different ideas, but at the end of the day, I know myself and I know that as soon as I start doing that, my, you know, my magnifying glass, I'm going to be moving it around too much and it'll cause nothing to be on fire. <laughs> so because of that, um, I just stay focused on, you know, what it is that I'm, you know, good at and the value that I already know how to provide. And, um, and I just stay doing that, but that's me. If you have the bandwidth to do it and you can manage it to where you won't, you know, dis be distracted from the other stuff, because what you don't want to happen is you're approaching a hundred thousand subscribers. You can, you know, like it's already turning into something amazing and you can really just keep amplifying that. But one thing that you are going to also face is, you know, when you do have that opportunity to amplify that, if you are taking some of the energy that you have and you're putting it into something else, if it's not, you know, uh, like if you, if you, you know, if you don't have that energy, but you're putting it in there, then it's going to take away from this, right? So because of that, I would just make sure that you have the energy to do it. But if you do, then by all means, like if, you know, the regular content that you take doesn't take that long to do those sorts of things, then definitely. But another thing I would consider, um, because one thing that you're doing here is you're also protecting yourself in terms of not putting all your eggs in one basket, which is smart. But um, one thing to consider is that when you are, um, you know, doing the, you know, main channel, every video that you're publishing on another channel is content that you could publish on yours, right? So like for me, I make some content for other channels and stuff like that too. And, uh, you know, with that, I'm like, same exact thing. It's like, you know, like every channel that I put somewhere else, that's content that I could put here, right? That's energy that I could put into this. And because of that, because I do, you know, do those things with other channels, um, you know, it's, it's something that does take away um, a little bit from my main channel. Um, so, you know, because of that, you know, you got to make sure that you are, you know, keeping those types of things in mind.
But if you have the bandwidth and you know you can stay focused and you know, do the thing, then absolutely. You know, you, what you're doing is you've learned how to do it, and then you're able to apply that skill set to something else to create an entirely different asset. Um, so because of that, you know, the, the wins can be big, but, um, but just making sure that you have, you know, the, the energy to do it long term. Um, RWS Killer Man says in the last week, I've changed our content to be releasing the next day with new release games, and we gained three subs from the ones we lost um, the last Monday. So just a heads up, man. When it comes to um, when it comes to losing subscribers on YouTube, um, it's just it's part of the thing. So um, I looked recently, and I've lost over three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers on my YouTube channel since I started it. So if it wasn't for the loss, I would already have a gold play button right on my uh, on on this channel. But um, but when it comes to you know losing subscribers, you know, you you're you're not going to hold on to every single people that subscribes to your YouTube channel, because interests change over time. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll like you'll have somebody come in and they'll start, um, they'll start, you know, enjoying your content, and then they'll just start watching something else. And it's nothing against you. It's nothing against it's not that they don't like your you know, what it is that you do specifically, they just got more interested in something else. And because of that, your videos will show up, maybe they'll click on one, and it's like, yeah, I'm not really into this anymore, unsubscribe, and then you know, they don't see you anymore. So um, it's just part of the uh, part of the thing. Yeah, Jerry Papandria says, I think Nick has actually said that Thai food isn't his favorite. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually don't eat uh, Thai food. I can. I've got like a couple of dishes that I can go to in a pinch, but uh, but it's definitely, yeah, definitely not my go-to uh, go food if you can't tell. So, uh, so here, next up, we got Traveling with Brian. Traveling with Brian does travel content. The goal of the channel is fun, fun, fun. And the question is, when uploading the first time, should you upload one, three, or five videos? Um, and if it's multiple videos, should they be gathered together in a playlist? So the the current recommendation for that, um, so I recommend that you do three. Um, other people recommend that you do five. So it's your call there. But the idea is when you are uploading your first videos, um, you want to have other videos on the channel that people can watch. Like if you, like technically, and this is also like if you already know how to make content, things like that, and the likelihood of somebody binge watching your content is high. But if you're like, hey, I'm just starting to do this, I know, and I'm not saying that this is your case, but I'm just saying for everybody here. Um, if you know that like, hey, I've got a long way to go, I, I, I'm self-aware, I know that my content isn't that great yet, and I'm still going through that process of learning how to do it, then in that case, just make a video. Just get one video up on YouTube, and then another video, and then another video while you're working on that skill set. But if you're somebody that has that experience, like, like, uh, um, like learn Spanish um, for you, um, like on the, or learn Spanish world, I'm sorry, um, like on, on that one, they got experience. They know how to keep people watching. They know how to get people to enjoy the content. So when he starts a channel, he should take that approach of like three or five videos, three, four or five, something like that. Just creating a short series that people can binge watch is something he should do. Um, but again, bandwidth, things like that. If you're like, I don't have the time to make five videos before I publish this, I wanna get going. Then in that case, just publish one video, right? Because even though that first group of people that might see that original video, they would have loved to have another video. Um, you know, if you are like, hey, I just, you know, it's taking everything I got just to get this one video out. Then in that case, you don't need to prolong it in order to hit that like three or five video mark. Just get it, you know, start publishing videos. Because like I mentioned before, the way to to do the thing is to do the thing, <laughs> right? So, uh, so start on the thing. Freaking awesome. Super chat. Thank you for the super chat. Really appreciate it. Um, says good day. Thanks, Nimmin. Good day to you as well. Thanks for swinging by. So uh, next up on our list here, um, we've got, where did that go? There it is. Okay. And you got it. Okay. 
So um, let's see here. So next up on the list here, we've got um, Luxinda Swirl Resin Tumblers. Um, they've been on YouTube for a year or more. They have resin tumbler making and art tutorials. The goal of the channel is to show others as I enjoy my passion of designing resin tumblers. The question is, hey, Nick, I was contacted by a company to test out their tumbler press in return for a video about it. I agreed and received the machine, tested and reviewed it in a video that's currently unlisted so they could watch it first. Since sending me the machine and following up to make sure I got it, they have completely disappeared. Yeah, welcome to that kind of thing. Um, including not commenting on the video I made, not pri uh, nor providing the promised discount code for my viewers. I've sent five emails in the past two weeks, but no reply. If I publish the video anyway, even without their blessing or discount code, can this come back to bite me somehow? So here's what you wanna do. If they have an affiliate program, which is probably what they're wanting you to do anyway, which is like a huge scam that people do. So first, I would, I would make an amendment to that video. And I would, I would say, like, hey, this was gonna be a sponsored video, but these people just kind of threw me under the bus and they stopped even like replying to my stuff. Like if the only option for you to get any feedback from them is to like sign up for their affiliate program so that you can promote the thing that you thought that you were gonna get paid in advance for. Um, in that particular case, I would be like, hey, you know, they kind of threw me under the bus. They were gonna, you know, you know, do this stuff. And, you know, they didn't, but you know, they, they do have a good, you know, Tumblr. So, you know, because of that, you know, I do wanna bring this to your attention, let you know about it, you know, show them all the stuff that they like about it, let them know where they can get it. But, you know, like I wouldn't even, and like if they contacted you and sent you the stuff, but then they ghosted you, I wouldn't even publish the video. I would just keep the Tumblr and enjoy the Tumblr. And then uh, I would, you know, just let it go from there. Because if they are wanting you to promote their product, but they're not getting back in touch with you, I mean, what do they expect, right? So what I would do is I would send them an email and give them a deadline and with that deadline, I would say, hey, if you don't respond by, you know, this time, then I'm just not publishing this video um, because, you know, our, our agreement was this and you are, you know, not coming through on your side of the agreement. Therefore, I'm not going to publish this video. And uh, one thing Roberto says here really quick also is he says, don't mistake sponsors and affiliates. They are not the same and you need to have contracts and read them carefully. Absolutely. Next up on the list here, we've got LV99 Gaming Wizard. Says they upload when they have time, they do gaming content. The goal of the channel is sharing knowledge about gaming and sharing game clips. The question is, why do some videos get zero views despite using the right title, thumbnail, description, and tags? So when it comes to the right title, the right thumbnail, the right description, and the right tags, um, you're not doing the right things, right? So if your videos are set for public, and nobody, like you're not getting any views, that means that YouTube is showing them to people and you can prove this by going into your YouTube analytics and looking at impressions. For those of you that are new to YouTube, an impression is when YouTube shows your content to somebody on the platform. That's what an impression is. So if you go into your analytics and you see that YouTube is showing your content to people, but you're getting zero views, it's on you. It's not on YouTube. So they're showing your content, but people aren't responding to it, which means, that you're going to continue to get no views. However, if you go in and you're like, hey, I'm getting impressions and nobody's like clicking on this stuff, then that tells you like, oh, I've got a problem I need to solve. So how do I solve that problem? So one, make sure your topic is good in terms of the thing that you're talking about. Make sure that you do have, you know, a good, you know, title. And if whatever title you have, you need to change it because people aren't responding to the current one whatever thumbnail it is you have, you need to change it because people aren't responding to that one either. Um, and you need to make sure that you're thinking to yourself when you're making those changes, how can I change this into something 
that if the people I'm trying to reach were to see it on their homepage, that it would help them identify it and it would compel them to click on it, right? And then go through that exercise, try to redo everything, and then, you know, and then make those changes, update your thumbnail, update your title. When it comes to your description and tags, you definitely want to make sure that you fill those things out. Your description is taken into context for your video. Um, your tags are also there, so make sure that you use them. But one thing to know is that when it comes to your tags, don't put a ton of emphasis on your tags because you're like, I'm using the right tags. Um, so, you know, don't don't put a lot of emphasis on your tags. Your tags, like if there's a hierarchy of things that are important on YouTube, your tags are like down there at the bottom. So because of that, focus on your topic, your thumbnail, your title, and the video content. Those are the most important things. Of course, you wanna fill out your description. You wanna go ahead and put tags in the box because it's there, but the things that are gonna move the needle for you and actually get results for you are the topic of the video, your thumbnail, and this goes for everyone here. <laughs> the topic of your video, right? It has to be something that people are interested in. The thumbnail, it's gotta help people identify, you know, that it's something that they're interested in. And your title also helps people identify something that they're, that they're interested in, but also compels the people to, that you're trying to reach to click. And then from there, your video content, right? So if somebody goes into your video and they leave like immediately, and that happens over and over again, then you're, you're, you're done, right? You, you're, that video is done. So because of that, you have to make sure that you are focused on the entire experience. So your topic, title, thumbnail, right? Because that's from the outside. That's all the information that somebody has to actually click to make that choice. And then once they click, what happens from there? How can you make the, the, the video experience that they're having? How can you make that as good as possible based on the expectation that you set with the topic, title, and thumbnail? Um, next up on our list here, we're on number 15 already. This is great. We're cruising through these. So next up, we've got uh, 86th Street Chef Project. What's going on, man? Hope you're doing awesome. Says um, they do, um, it's a help channel for chefs. The goal of the channel is to help as many cooks as possible. The question is, I've been having issues lining up the in-screen elements with thanks for watching graphics at the end. The only way I've been able to do this is by making the video live, testing, removing the video, lining it up again. It's super annoying. Is there a better way to do this? It's hard to explain, but I posted a picture of my community feed just for this question so you can see what I'm talking about. So um, one way to kind of line that stuff up if you're making your own graphics is to get your end screens into the, you know, into the position that you're gonna have them in um, for the elements. And you can do this without publishing the video. Um, you can do this in uh, while it's unlisted, but basically go full screen with it, take a screenshot, or you can just have it, you know, whatever, like at the, you know, at a smaller view, whatever, take a screenshot, drop it into Photoshop if you're using Photoshop, stretch it so that it's the same size as the canvas in Photoshop that you're gonna be making the graphic in, and then use that as your guide and then build your graphics around that. So instead of building the graphics, putting them into YouTube, and then trying to align everything, take a screenshot of your video with the elements in the position that you're going to have them because you can import the end screen from previous videos. So put them into the position that you're going to have them in, screenshot it, drag it into your editing software, expand, you know, make it bigger so that it fills the screen, but pay attention, make sure everything is, you know, in the right place, um, or make sure that it doesn't go, you know, make sure you don't zoom in too much right to it, but, um, build your elements on top of that. And then everything should line up almost perfect. If not perfect, when you load it up into YouTube. 
Um, next up, we got Peter Dell. Peter Dell says that they do an Australian tourist attractions channel. The goal of the channel is to help people, um, to show people the beauty of Australia, scenery, and nature. That's cool. We got some Australia, uh, other Australians hanging out here um, today as well. Um, the question is, in my channel analytics in section video traffic on a couple of my videos, it says YouTube advertising next to channel pages and search. I'm confused. So sometimes if you feature like products from other people or something like that, sometimes they can use your videos for ads and, um, uh, you know, for those videos, you can actually submit to YouTube um, to where, you know, you don't allow people to do that. It's not something you can just check a box, unfortunately, but if you didn't want that to happen, you can do that. But sometimes other things happen as well. Like, you know, like maybe you have a family member and they're like, you know, hey, they have a YouTube channel. Let's try to help them, you know, kind of get going a little bit. And they do something like that, trying to be nice, not realizing that it's not really helping you at all. So it could be, you know, either one of those things to where somebody's, you know, advertising, using one of your videos for advertising purposes. Um, or it could be somebody is, you know, running ads on your videos, just trying to like help you out in some way. Next up. We've got Architectural Sheet Metal. What's going on, man? Hope you're doing awesome. Says they um, do sheet metal tutorials. The goal of the channel is to educate people about sheet metal and monetize. And the question is, with where my channel is in terms of performance, what would you suggest I focus my efforts? I'd like to hit at least $4,000 a month. I know it's not all about money, but if that was the place, I would have that desperate feeling because the bills would be... I know it's not all about money, but if that was in place, I would have that desperate feeling... Uh, wouldn't have that desperate feeling because the bills will be covered. Okay. This is a great question. So, um, hey, I see um, Doug mentioned that he does have that question in here for me um, from Dark Bite, so I'll also um, ask that as well. I don't see it in here in the thing. Let me refresh this page, Doug. Um, I don't see it in there. If you could drop it in there, man, I'd super um, appreciate it. So when you're trying to make more money from your YouTube channel, who here, out of everybody that's hanging out here, who here would like to make more money from, from your YouTube channel? If that's you, okay, I see it in there, Doug. If that's you, um, just say me. So if you have a YouTube channel, you're trying to generate more income, then the very first thing you have to do is you have to figure out what options are available for you. The typical way that people make money on YouTube is through on platform, right? Like in terms of ad revenue, channel memberships, if you have that available, um, uh, if you live stream, you know, you can get super chats, things like that, like you see happening here. Um, and then you also have, you know, you can get super thanks. You, you have on platform monetization. Then you also have like crowdfunding, which is really common because, you know, there isn't really a lot involved there if it's somebody just donating, right? Like, hey, send me some money on buy me a coffee to help support the channel type of thing, right? Um, so you have that type of crowdfunding. And then you also have crowdfunding that is in, ex in, in exchange for additional value that you provide. So for that, people typically use something like Patreon or, you know, something like that. So in that particular case, what you would say is, okay, is crowdfunding right for what it is that I'm trying to do? Yes or no. So if it's yes, then I'm going to start figuring out, am I just going to have like a donation button, which will have a pretty low conversion, or am I going to start offering some additional type of value in something like Patreon? If the answer to that is yes, then in that case, then, you know, starting a Patreon might be, you know, a path to start filling that bucket for you. Um, and then you have affiliate marketing. So when it comes to affiliate marketing, if there are specific tools that you use in your videos, you should have Amazon links to those videos or to those products in your description. So let's say for example, because I'm not sure what's involved with making sheet metal or, or doing sheet metal stuff. But since you're doing tutorials, that means that you're showing people how to work with sheet metal. So if you do have like hand tools or like, you know, machines that you use or something like that, that has that you can find that has affiliate 
programs attached to them, or if they're available on Amazon, making sure that you are always linking those tools that you're using in each individual video in your description and letting people know that you have links to those tools down there and tell them, right? So like, for example, if let, like, let's say that, you know, this remote, if I was talking to you guys, cause you're content creators and I'm like, yeah, this, you know, this remote, um, you know, I got this for my camera so that I can, you know, kind of start and stop it, you know, whenever I want and I don't have to actually reach over. It allows me to keep the camera across the room and makes everything just really easy for me. Um, I've got a link to this uh, down in the description below if you want to check it out. But, um, but you know, me, I found it like super helpful, right? So like the idea there is you just spread awareness while you're using the tool, right? So like I'm using this tool because this, and you can use, you can find it down in the description. And then by doing that, what you're doing is you're bringing awareness to the thing that you are using, you're telling them why you use it, right? So you're adding that, you know, additional information there. And then you're letting them know that you have a link to it available down in the in the description. And then by doing that, what you're doing is you're spreading awareness about the entire, you know, the tool itself and that you have the affiliate, uh, you know, link down there. And then some people will go down there and they'll they'll make those purchases on affiliate marketing just in general, like, um, uh, like for people in my space, like we crush in affiliate marketing, just because there's so many great things available out there for you know, the affiliate side. But um, in a lot of content, there's something available that you can promote as an affiliate, even if you're a gamer, right for gamers in here, like you have controllers, you have if you got a you know, computer that you've built, you've got all the different parts for it that you can be letting people know about, like, you know, most types of content, you've got, you know, you've got something that you can promote as an affiliate. But um, another way, of course, is sponsor sponsorships. So as you're, you know, going along in your process, some of those companies that you can promote as an affiliate, once you start generating sales, you can use that information to approach those companies for sponsorships if you want to go that route. Um, and in addition to that, you're doing tutorials, which means you're teaching people things. So because of that, you can create a Uscreen store. Um, Uscreen.tv is the is the name of it. Um, we're actually doing another monetization stream next week, um, sponsored by them. But you can create a Uscreen store, or you can use you know another course platform, whatever. But basically, you build courses out. And you let people know like, hey, you know, this is YouTube. So because of that, I have to edit these videos based on like audience retention and like all these things. But if you wanna like really deep dive and you really wanna learn about sheet metal, I have this program available where it takes you through everything that you need to know to get started learning about sheet metal or everything you need to know to become, you know, a professional working with sheet metal. And when you create that course, then, you know, you just, you know, double down to spreading tons of awareness about that. And then you also have the option with the courses that you create to where you can have just like one-time payments and those can be high or they can be low depending on whatever it is that you want to charge and what you think the value is on the other side of that. Um, or you can set it up to where it's recurring to where people pay like a monthly fee that can also be high or low depending on the value that they're getting. And through that particular monthly fee, then, you know, that can compound over time. So as long as your retention on the things that you're bringing attention to is high in terms of somebody joins today, they maintain their membership for six months or a year, then the lifetime value of that particular, you know, customer when they sign up on the recurring side can be, you know, relatively high. So when you have those types of things in place, um, you know, it just gives you an easier way to make money from your channel outside of YouTube ads. So, um, so I would definitely look into all of those things that I just mentioned and keep in mind, you can also deploy every single one of those things that I just mentioned as well. So I would keep in mind all of those things. And I would just think about what fits best for what it is that you're trying to do. And I would, you know, put in as many of those things in place as possible. Um, in addition to that, you also have things like merch, right? Like this right here, this is merch creator mix merch, um, which is our music service. But with, um, with merch, that's also something you can set up through like Spreadshop, 
Dot-com, for example, um, to where you just upload designs and you wouldn't necessarily like in your case, you wouldn't upload designs around like, um, you know, like architectural sheet metal uh, 101, right? Like that wouldn't necessarily be the thing. You can put those in there, but instead think about like all the different things, all the nuance of your industry and the things that the viewers that are interacting with your content, the things that they would relate to. So if there's like little catchphrases or if there's like little things that they would find funny um, or something like that, making merch about that and then spreading awareness about those things, wearing them in your videos, that kind of stuff um, can also help you, you know, make some money here and there on your, on your merch as well. But one thing that I can tell everybody here as a content creator, the more things that you get into place to make money from, um, like some things will do awesome, some things will do okay, some things will just kind of trickle in from time to time. And what happens though is all of that accumulates and it become and it can become like a substantial amount of money when you start adding in like, hey, I'm doing great on affiliate, I'm doing okay on merch, I'm doing um, you know pretty good on crowdfunding, my YouTube ads, I'm doing all right, right? Like when you start you know putting all of that into one pot, it can it can start adding up pretty quick. But the thing is, you just have to one deploy all of that, and two, you also have to make sure that you are you know being very intentional about the things that you're doing in your channel to make money. So for example. In your case, Architectural Sheet Metal 101, um, and this applies to you know most people here as well, if you're gonna promote something as an affiliate, you can be passive with it or you can be aggressive with it. So if you're passive with it, then in that particular case, you just got links in your description, you'll just like mention it in a video, you know, whatever, like, hey, yeah, I'm using this tool because it's easy, whatever, I got a link down there if you're interested. Um, and then you have the aggressive side and the aggressive side is where you make dedicated videos for the purpose of driving affiliate sales in exchange for the value that you're adding to the people that are watching your video. So for example, you'd be like, hey, this is my review of you know this particular sheet metal tool. And then you would just do that review video. And by doing that, the whole purpose of that video is to hopefully get it in front of people that are, you know, either getting into sheet metal or they're looking into sheet metal products, or maybe they're looking around for that particular product, trying to get more information about it. And then they see your video, the intent that they have to possibly purchase that is way higher than just watching a random video, which then will help you convert higher with that particular content. So when you start doing these things, it's important to make sure that you are being very intentional about, you know, the content that you're making and how to, you know, make certain videos that will bring more attention to, you know, some of the things that you're trying to bring attention to. Hopefully that made sense. Okay, so um, let's see here. So next up, um, Oregon Trees Gaming. Welcome to the Nimenati. Welcome to the Nimenati. Make sure next time you get the chance, you go to nimenvip.com. It's going to redirect you currently. Next week, it's going to be different, but it's going to currently direct you to our members-only Facebook group. Uh, make sure you fill out all the information on the way in, and if you can do that before the stream's over, then um, then I'll see about getting you in there as soon as the stream is complete today. Um, starting next week, I'm going to be using a different system for this. All channel members that are in my, um, my Facebook group are actually going to need to go through this system um, in order to maintain access to the Facebook group because some people will go into the Facebook group and then they'll be in there for a little bit and then they will um, like cancel their membership, but they'll maintain their presence in the Facebook group. Um, so because of that, I think it's not fair to the people that, you know, that are actually paying to be in there. So because of that, um, I'm going to be using a different system that's going to make sure that everybody that is getting, you know, the perks of being a channel member um, are actual channel members. So that system is going to be changing up um, this coming this coming week. 
Six shop says, hope you're doing well, focusing on titles, um, decided to do one skill a month, working on digital content to sell. Channel has been tanking, tried everything, but I don't know what's wrong. You gotta go and look at your stats. So here's the thing, like YouTube gives us the information that we need to identify the things that we are doing right and the things that we're not doing right in our channel. So what you need to do is you need to start digging around your YouTube analytics. If you don't know how to use any of it or interpret any of it, um, there's actually, I started a series on that over on the Tube Spanner channel, which I'll be continuing. Um, I know Roberto Blake has like a five hour live stream that's like a deep dive on YouTube analytics. There's tons of blogs out there, tons of courses out there, tons of you know YouTube videos out there about how to use YouTube analytics. Like definitely, you know, get yourself, you know, polished up on YouTube analytics because like when you have a channel that's thriving and then it starts tanking, you can just use the comparison tool and you can start identifying like what's going on and why it's tanking and you can start, you know, adjusting accordingly if you choose to. Um, also, you can go in and you can start looking at specific content. And in some cases, like you can have a thriving channel and then like you have one video carrying all the weight and then after a period of time, that video, its lifespan kind of ran out and it's just not as fresh anymore. And because of that, that video will slowly start dropping and that by itself can be the reason that a channel goes. So because of that, just make sure that you do go into your YouTube analytics and you start looking um, at what was happening on your channel before. And you can do this in your advanced analytics. Look at what was happening on your channel before compared to what's happening now. Start comparing individual videos that performed good in the past that aren't performing now. Start looking at the content that you were making in the past that people were responding well to compared to the content that you're making now that they seeming that they seem to not be responding to and start looking for differences so that you can start identifying the things that you're doing now compared to what it was that you're doing before. Because as a content creator, we evolve. And in some cases, that evolution can make you slowly to where you don't even notice, start doing things differently, or you have a different tone when you communicate, things like that. And it causes people to start responding differently to what it is that you're doing. But when you start analyzing, you, you, then, then it'll bring to your attention, okay, things were awesome here, they're not here, so, so what, you know, what's the difference between these two things? And that'll help you, the, the, any changes that have been made, you know, stand out. And that can be the video ideas that you have. That can be how you're structuring your content, because as you learn more, you might be applying some stuff and your, your particular audience might be like, Hey, I'm not really into the storytelling. I just want to, you know, I just want to know about, you know, this thing that you're, you know, that you're bringing to my attention or whatever the thing is, or it could be like, Hey, everybody else in the space is starting to do this and people are responding to that. And they're not just, they're not responding you know, as well to your stuff, or you could have a lot more competition now. And the people that are in your space could be, you know, getting better and better as well. And they're eating into some of your, you know, eating into some of the activity that you're having. But when you start looking in your analytics and you start comparing, um, you know, like, um, like this time last year to this time, you know, uh, this year, then, you know, you'll be able to start seeing that. Like, for example, if you look in your traffic sources report, then you'll actually see lines going across your screen and you can say like, hey, wow, I took a big drop over here. I wonder what happened here. And then you can isolate to that point in your analytics and you can start looking through the videos at that time and see if you had certain videos that fell off and things like that. So learning to use your analytics will help you solve, um, will help you solve those problems or at least identify what happened. And then from there, you know, you decide on, you know, the, the, you know, the action to take to uh, move it forward. Super Linda's chat. Lady Lair. Thank you for the super chat there as well. And I thought there was another one. Okay, we did that. Architectural sheet metal. Welcome to the Niminati. Same thing for you and Lady Lords Productions. 
Welcome to the Nimminati. So for both of you, just make sure you go to NimminVIP.com. Um, that's going to um, redirect you to the members only Facebook group. Make sure you fill out all the information on the way in um, so that I can verify that you are a member um, into the group. And um, LV99 Gaming Wizard, same for you as well. Welcome to the Nimminati. So uh, let's see here. So next up, just Larcia. Hope that you're Larissa. Hope you're doing great. Um, let's see here. So as we keep going here, I'm got, hopping back into the form for this one. So next up, we've got Kezadora's seven nineteen. Actually, first, let me answer this question that came in from Dark Bites. So Dark Bites says, "I've been running a long form podcast with horror creators. My name is from a blog. There are pros. Are there pros and cons of changing to a more representative name, such as Inside Horror?" I'm a year old, um, 100 subscribers. So when you are naming your YouTube channel, it can be advantageous to name it something related to what it is that you're talking about, but it's not a requirement. The place where it's advantageous is like if you're super active on YouTube, that's the place where it can become advantageous. Also, when people are sharing your content out, things like that, because it adds clarity to the name. So like, for example, architectural sheet metal right, that we were talking about before. Like that one, it's pretty clear there's a really good chance that that channel has something to do with sheet metal, right? So when you do add those types of things to your channel name, it can be helpful. But if you're like, hey, I'm, you know, I've, I've got this brand that I'm, that I'm building, I've got a blog for it and all that, Dark Bites, so because of that, I'm just gonna keep rolling with that. That's perfectly okay also, because like what matters on YouTube is, that if you have a channel name that it's easy to say, it's easy for people to understand, um, and that it's just easy to remember, right? So like, for example, Dark Bites, super easy to remember, super easy to say. There's nothing really that I can think of there that you would need to explain if somebody was like, hey, I uh, man, I ran across this great YouTube channel. Um, what's the name of it? It's Dark Bites. So make sure that you check that out. What's the name? Let me pull it off my phone right now. Dark Bites. Okay, yep, Dark Bites, search, found it, bam, got it, right? So you're good there. At the end of the day, the thing that's going to matter for you isn't gonna be the channel name, it's the content itself, right? It's the content itself and getting people to, um, uh, getting people to uh, you know, uh, enjoy the content that you're putting out. So really quick, LV99 says, I'm not comfortable joining a Facebook group, internet privacy, real name, no problem at all. Just as a heads up, um, I have the group set up to where you can create a Facebook page for your YouTube channel, and then you can join as a page if you choose to do that, your call. Um, but I, you know, I just want to let you know that that option is available there. And I totally understand, you know, if you're, um, you know, for the internet privacy, not wanting to do that. That's also another reason um, that, I, that I'm going to be using this, um, this system starting next week is because, you know, when it comes to Facebook, some people like we have a lot of members that don't even go to the Facebook group. And I'm guessing it's for similar reasons. But there's like a lot of cool stuff in the Facebook group and a lot of cool information in there. But through the new system, it's actually going to make it to where, you know, like some of the downloads that I offer in the Facebook group and things like that, then there's going to be a place in there where you can, you know, download that stuff, things like that, where you can still get, you know, the other advantages. Um, but, you know, just when we do like members only live streams in the Facebook group, that's the only place uh, where, you know, we might run into trouble. Hopefully in the future, I'm going to be able to arm wrestle them or maybe noogie them into um, hopefully putting some type of embeddable player into that place as well. Um, so that people that, you know, don't want to, um, you know, for privacy reasons, join the Facebook group. So they'll also be able to participate through that um, in a more anonymous way instead of it, you know, being attached to them. So dark bites, my pleasure, my pleasure. 
Okay, next up on our list, um, let's see here. Okay, next up on our list here, we've got, okay, we did that. Oh, okay, so we are at Cazadora's 719. Cazadora's is probably like, hey, you, you started to do mine. Well, what happened? <laughs> Not leaving you on the on the thing here, I got you. So um, let's see here, the um, type of channel is Outdoor Adventures Hunting and Hunter Education Channel, the goal of the channel is to motivate and help Hispanic community um, with getting into hunting. Colorado Orgs does not have much info in Spanish regarding hunting and fishing. I'm the one sharing info in Spanish, that's cool. Um, the question is, why am I growing so slow? Use all the tricks that I can, but still slow. I will not stop, but I do get burned out at times, thanks. So first off, um, there's not a trick that you can use that's going to cause you to like start thriving on YouTube. At the end of the day, everything, like there's things that you can do or tricks that you can do. Um, like you'll see videos, I'm sure I've got some titles like this too, to where it's like, you know, um, you know, this one trick will help you get more watch time, right? And it's not really a trick, it's just a tactic that you, you know, apply to your YouTube channel to where you set up a watch time trap of sorts to where it's not necessarily a trick. It's just a tactic to where, you know, if somebody watches one video, you make sure you have pinned comments and end screens that lead into, you know, and video description links that, you know, will lead people on a certain path to your channel. You make sure you set up your channel in a certain way and so on. So, you know, it's not really a trick per se, but it is something that will help you amplify your watch time if you, you know, do it right. So when it comes to your slow growth, it's all going to come down to this. For everybody here, if you're growing slow, it comes down to this. The topics of your videos, right? They have to be interesting to other people, right? It has to be clear what the topic of your video is. So you can write titles that say, I can't believe this happened. But the thumbnail for that particular video has to kind of tell the story of something that would entice somebody to click on that, right? To where it's like, oh, can't believe this happened. It looks like something epic's getting ready to happen. So yeah, maybe I will check this out. So when you are packaging up your content, you have to make sure, um, you know, if you hang out here, you hear me, you know, talk about this a lot, but you have to make sure that, you know, your thumbnails are helping people identify that your content is about something that they care about if you're making long form content and that your titles are also, you know, helping there on the informational side and that they're compelling. And by, by doing that alone, you'll get more clicks on your videos if currently you're not, you know, adding any of that clarity to what it is that you're putting out and you're just leaning on sensationalism, so to speak, like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened, right? Like those types of things. Um, and then the next thing is on the growth side is that, you know, the content that you're putting out, the competition is so high on YouTube in terms of there's so many people putting out good content in terms of value and in term not necessarily like what it looks like there's a lot of that too but in terms of the value that people are getting from videos and how they're receiving that value and because of that you have to get your content to the point to where it's to where it's at that competitive level for the platform and then right because we're still going then that gets people in and that gets them enjoying the content. And then from there, you have to learn how to get people to actually subscribe to the YouTube channel, which will happen organically, but there's also things that you can do to increase the amount of people subscribing to your channel. But in order for them to qualify for you to do those things, they gotta be enjoying the content in the first place, right? And I've got videos about those too. But the idea is like, if you're growing slow, like you have to make sure that you are looking, you know, at what it is that you're doing 
so that you can make sure that people, and, and you do this through your YouTube analytics, so that you can make sure that what it is that you're creating is being received in the way that you are intending it. And if it's not, then you have to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and learn how to do things in a way that people will receive them better. And that's just part of the process. Just like if you started, if you picked up a guitar today and you're like, okay, I've never played a guitar before. I've never even held one, but I want to be a rock star. Well, first you got to learn, you got to learn, you know, the basic, you know, chords, you got to learn, you know, where the strings are. You got to learn, you know, how the different, you know, knobs on the thing work. You got to learn, you know, what the pickups are and all that stuff. Like you got to learn how to do that. You got to learn where to, you know, you got to learn where to plug the thing in. You got to start, you know, learning, you know, how to actually play it, get your fingers all worked out to where you can move your fingers independently and around while you're, you know, you know, moving either your fingers or your pick around down here. Um, I, I'm not good at that, but I'm just saying, you know, you have to go through those processes um, on like learning how to play guitar. And even when you learn how to play the guitar, you can, you can, you'll start out and you'll be playing the guitar and you'll be like, you know what? Okay. I'm starting to be able to keep a rhythm. Okay. Now, six months later, a year later, I can now play on time. And then now I can also get my fingers moving around to where, yeah, I can actually like move through a song now that's making a video, right? Like, okay, now I can make a video, <laughs> right? I've learned how to use the camera. I've learned how to get everything dialed in, right? I've learned how to do this. Now I can make a video, right? That's playing the guitar. And then from there, it's like, okay, now. I gotta learn how to like really play the guitar. I gotta learn how to use the right pedals. So now I gotta get my feet involved in this. I gotta learn how to use the right pedals. And I gotta learn how to do this. I gotta learn how to play all these different songs. I gotta learn how to play with other people. If I'm gonna you know, be playing, if I'm gonna be a rock star, like you have to learn this entire process and you gotta watch Daniel Battelle's video about him not being a rock star, but you have to go through this entire process, just learning how to play the instrument and learning how to do that just so that you can even get yourself ready to give yourself the opportunity to do the thing that you're wanting to do. YouTube is the same exact thing. Like you have to, that's why I'm like, you know, for the people that are like, hey, I'm gonna do all this research, it's like, just start uploading. So you can learn how to do, you know, everything else. Because, you know, just like anything, like, you know, YouTube has a learning curve attached to it. And some people, you know, it's gonna take them a year to get from here to here. Other people are gonna be able to get from here to here in the first week of making content, just based on the amount of time they have, you know, based on, you know, the skills they brought from other, you know, points in their life based on just their understanding of things and just their self-aware, like based on tons of different things. But some people it's gonna take them a year to get from here to here. Other people it's gonna take them, you know, a week. Some people take them 10 years, right? So because of that, the things that you need to work on if you're not getting the results that you're after on YouTube is you gotta work on the skills required to do the thing. You gotta work on understanding your YouTube analytics so that you can interpret what it is that you're seeing when you're when you're looking at those, you know, when you're looking at all that information. Um, and you you just have to basically learn how to get people to enjoy, how to, you know, how to compel them to click if you're making long form content and how to get them to enjoy content. And there's a ton of nuance in that. And even you get them to enjoy the content, you also have to make sure that you're also, you know, adding value in some way, right? So it's like, there, there's just tons of nuance. So like, if you're not getting the results that you're after right now, just, I just, just recognize that the only reason that you're not getting those results is just because you're, you know, you're somewhere up here in the learning curve where you might not start getting results until you get to here. 
right? So right now you're just in that initial learning part to where you're just learning how to do the thing. And then you'll get to that point to where, you know, it's like, hey, I'm continuing to learn my skills, continuing to learn, you know, all the things that are important for YouTube. I'm continuing to develop my, you know, my editing skills and, you know, processing my audio and making thumbnails and writing titles. I'm continuing to do all of that over time. And you just keep going through that process and then you'll end up here. And then from there is when your channel will start lifting and then you'll start getting, you know, the, the activity that you're after. Your channel's not on a blacklist, uh, Christoph Gamer 97. As a matter of fact, yeah, it looks like you don't even have any videos uploaded to your YouTube channel. So that's probably your problem. So you have videos. Okay, so I see your community folks. You say, it's been a good run, guys, but unfortunately, I accidentally took down my channel because I forgot to change one of my live stream thumbnails from two days ago. However, I did manage to gain 108 subscribers, 1,000 watch time hours, big thank you. This probably won't show up now, um, but the wrong one, like I did because it was a mistake, it will cost you your YouTube channel reputation. Yeah, because you didn't change your thumbnail, it's not gonna matter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's happening um, there, but you're not on a blacklist or you know anything like that. So one thing that can happen is you can get community guideline strikes, um, but that's that's not a blacklist. Okay, so next up um, we've got. Um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Black Star Watchtower says they upload every other day. They do sci-fi lore for gaming. The goal of the channel is to get monetized. Less than 800 hours left. Getting there. Getting there. Question: I'm focused on one game but there's a new game coming out in my niche. Do you think it's okay to cover that other topic at the same time, especially if my audience shows interest? Absolutely. I would actually start priming them for it since it's coming out soon and you're gonna be you know, making a lot of content about it, I'm assuming when the game you know, first drops, I would go ahead and start getting them hyped up in your community feed. So I'd be like, you know, hey, you know, how many people here look, you know, are you looking forward to the name of the game you know, coming out? Um, yes or no? And then based on that, if they're like, yes, then in that case, I'd be like, okay, um, you know, uh, what are you looking forward to most about this game that's coming out, right? And, you know, of course you'd put the name and then people are gonna start telling you what to make videos about by telling you what it is that they're looking forward to about that game. So then basically by using your community feed to ask questions like that, by the time the game starts, or by the time the game comes out, you're gonna be loaded up with ammo, so to speak, on exactly what to deliver to your audience that they'll respond to. So um, so because of that, start using your community tab, start asking questions, and everybody should be doing this anyway as a way to just better understand your audience. But start using your community tab to ask questions of your audience to help you better understand them um, so, that, so that you can make that connection with them. Um, Daniel Krieg says that they upload daily content. Um, the question, let's see here, the type of channel is Daniel. The goal is to make people happy. And the question is, should I, should I, should try posting more short content? Sure, absolutely. If you enjoy making shorts, make shorts. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got, Hey, uh, Janice, um, drop that question in the Facebook group. I talked about it um, here on the live stream already. If you just drop that question in the um, in the Facebook group, I'll get that one answered over there because I already I already kind of went on a deep dive on that here in the stream today. Um, so Janice, if you just drop that in the um, Facebook group because you're a member, um, we'll get that answered over there. Um, Sir Tedrick says that they do um, tutorial content 
The goal of the channel is to build a community or share info with others um, that they may not know of. And the question is, hey, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time to read this. So I would like to start on YouTube, but I don't really know where to start. I play MMORPGs and a variety of other games. I play MMOs and RPGs um, more than any other genre. I used to stream on Twitch and there were like four or five years with absolutely no growth from trying to network and create other content on Instagram and TikTok. So I suggested, so I was suggested by a friend to make YouTube videos, but kind of overwhelmed because I don't know where to start. Do you have any suggestions on what I should do or how I should start a YouTube channel? Greatly appreciate, uh, greatly appreciate all that you do. So um, when it comes to doing your YouTube channel and starting your YouTube channel, the very first thing you wanna think of is exactly what it is that you're gonna offer, right? So, well, actually the first thing you wanna think of is like, what is it you're actually trying to do? Like, what, what are you trying to accomplish on YouTube? And when you know what it is you're trying to accomplish, it's gonna help you stay focused on accomplishing that thing. Of course, you can have multiple goals that you're trying to accomplish, but have one core thing that you're trying to get to, have that you know as the primary goal that you're gonna run all of your ideas through, that you're gonna run all your opportunities through and so on. Um, what I mean by that is, okay, is this video idea going to have the message out there that's going to resonate with others that's going to help me achieve this goal? Yes or no, yes, publish, no, don't publish. Um, is this opportunity that's coming in with this sponsor? Is this in alignment with this goal that I have? Yes or no, yes, do the deal, as long as it's a good product and all that stuff and adds value to your audience, no then don't do it if it's not in alignment with your goals, right? So it just makes all of the questions that you have about what you should do in that situation, um, it makes all those crystal clear and really easy to, to, to go through when you know what it is you're trying to accomplish with the channel. Next, really deeply try to understand the people that you're making content for. So this one sounds kind of um, vague, but it's not. So like you, like you just heard me talk about when it comes to like a community feed, on YouTube, like everybody should be using that on a regular basis to better understand your viewers so that you can, you know, resonate with them better. So the same exact thing applies when you're starting a YouTube channel, just thinking like, okay, the people I'm trying to reach at least at the very least, right, we know that they have to be into these types of games, right? But where are they in the game? Are they people starting in the game? Are they people that, you know, have some experience in the game? Are they people that are like, you know, top level, like expert people in the game? Like, who is it that you're trying to resonate with? Because the video topics that you put out are going to be different based on where in the game that people are. Um, the type of content that you put out might be different based on where in the game people are. Which brings me to the next thing, figuring out the type of content that you're gonna make. So on Twitch, you've been used to live streaming, right? When you come onto YouTube, you might do live streaming also, but you might also try to leverage shorts right now because it's an unprecedented opportunity on YouTube, YouTube shorts. Um, you'll probably also want to make long form content and you'll probably also want to continue to stream because that's you know the thing that you like to do because you did it on Twitch for years. So because of that, you want to make sure that you're thinking, okay, over the course of you know like a 30 day period or a 90 day period, depending on how in advance, how you know far in advance you want to do this. I'm going to put out, you know, X amount of live streams, X amount of long form videos, X amount of short form videos. My long form videos are gonna be about these types of things. My shorts are gonna be about these types of things. And then my live streams are gonna be like let's plays so that, you know, the people that are interacting with all my other content can come and hang out, possibly play games with me and so on. So then you get that idea of the specific types of content that you're gonna, you know, start putting out. And then you start adding purpose to those. And like, Everything that I'm saying right now isn't required, right? I just wanna make that clear to everybody. So like what I'm saying is if you're gonna be moving forward with intentionality so that you can get the results that you're wanting faster, that intentionality is gonna help you do that. But you can, by all means, you can just be like, hey, I just love playing this game. I'm just gonna upload some videos of me playing the game. Um, maybe I'll you know, show some videos of me you know, helping people solve these problems in these games or whatever as part of the content I put out. 
And that's all I'm going to focus on. That's all I care about. That's perfectly okay. But what I'm saying is if you like really want to give yourself the best possible opportunity here, that intentionality is going to be the thing that will get you there faster. Because, you know, those goals that you're trying to reach and all that, it will also force you to find a way to solve problems that are interfering with your path to your goals. So for example, if you're like, hey, you know, in order to achieve this, I need to like, you know, for my live streams, these are different things I wanna do with my live streams. And, um, you know, these live streams are gonna be part of the thing that's gonna help me get to my goal, but there's some things that I need here for these live streams. So because of that, I need to make sure that I'm doing what I gotta do in order to get these things so that I can make sure I can do these live streams in order to, you know, deliver to my audience so that I can, you know, make sure that I hit these goals, right? But anyway, from there, once you figure that out, then you um, then you start doing the actual thing. So you spend a little bit of time on that because you've already got experience as a content creator. So you spend a little bit of time on that and then you start deploying, right, that information. So most of that you can figure out over the course of a day. Um, if you really wanna dig deep, then you can do it over the course of a week um, and then deploy, right? So, um, so start making videos because you say that, you know, you haven't done it yet. So start making videos start live streaming, start doing YouTube shorts, start doing the thing, see what works best for your, you know, for, for the content that you're putting out. Try to learn as much as you can about the people you're making content for, and just try to give them as much value and as good of an experience as you possibly can. Focus on that and learning how to get them to click, or if you're making short videos, learning how to hook them and getting, you know, getting them to, you know, continue watching your videos. Focus on those things and you'll do fine. Like, um, it's really easy as a content creator for somebody starting out to get caught up in like all of, you know, the analytics and all that, which is a really important part of YouTube. But at the end of the day, all you gotta focus on is learning how to get people to click on your stuff and learning how to create content that people enjoy at a competitive level for the platform. That's it. Like if you can do those two things, then you'll have a successful YouTube channel over time. So make sure that you're focusing on those things. In fact, I have a friend of mine here in Thailand. His name is Patty Doyle. He has a YouTube channel um, where he travels around Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, like he travels around Southeast Asia um, and it's a travel channel. He hardly looks at his YouTube analytics at all and his videos just get crushed because he focuses on storytelling and he focuses on that connection with the viewer in his content and showing people what it is that they wanna see. And he focuses on packaging, which is his thumbnails and titles, right? So he hardly looks at his YouTube analytics at all, but he's thriving in a massive way and just his channel's just blowing up because he focuses on the most important thing which is making content for people to respond to, right? Making content that people enjoy. All right, let me move off of my soapbox here really quick and got, uh, got something awesome here. I gotta figure out how to get to this page. It's been a while. Give me one second and we are right here. Ladies and gentlemen, something super exciting for you here. Super delighted to bring on this guest here today. Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake. My man, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, Nick? Can you hear me loud and clear? Give me one second. I need to like uh, kill some audio in here and uh, adjust my levels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There we go. I can hear you now. Okay. All right. So you go. can hear me loud and clear? Yep. Just turning some of this stuff up on my end so I don't blow everybody yeah, else's ears out. The, uh, the cans and I can like just barely hear it there in the background coming through. Um, okay, so it is coming through a little bit. Just a little. One 
seconds. I just got to turn my uh, mix minus on really quick. And then uh, we should be good to go from there. Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check, check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, um, two. Let's see here. That would be back here in my main settings. And advanced audio and operations. Man, where's my mix minus at? Normally I can just go right to this. Oh, there it is. Okay, my mix oh. minus is on. So it's just coming through the speakers just a tad. Okay. I just got to. Yeah, I just got to turn it down there just a little bit. And then let me turn off my automation here and put it on this camera. And all right, we are good to go. What's up, my man? Hope you're all hey. fantastic. Everybody, oh. Roberto Blake in the house. What's going on, Roberto? I brought my own sharing section. Oh, look at this. Yep, he rolls in with a crowd. That's what I'm talking about. How's it going, man? So you want to uh, you want to answer some? Uh, hey, somebody says I'm worth it. Says I love your rap, Roberto. Do you have a rap out somewhere? No, oh, <laughs> I do okay. not. Okay, I, I think they like, were just I was like, about, what? I think I was they like, were oh just. Oh my god, uh, he's got a rap, and I don't even know. No, I I wish. No, it's like if we if we do it, we'll do it together and everything like that. We'll uh, we'll drop a diss track on somebody. Nice, love it. That's what I'm talking about. So Roberto, man, you, are you ready to uh, to answer some? Some YouTube related, uh, some YouTube related questions oh, today. Nick, Nick, we we could drop a diss track on FTX. On FTX. Yeah, the oh, scam. The, 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 oh the yeah, 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 thing. yeah. We could drop a we could drop a diss track on uh, crypto scams and everything like that. It's just like I just I just don't I don't want the um I don't want the uh the the beef because there's someone we could have dropped a legit diss track on that was involved in a crypto scam that we won't bring up but there was like you know what i'm talking about it's like yeah. we would have got all the views but i don't think we, i just i just don't think we want to deal with it but right yeah plus just it you know plus that um the you know ideal uh you know targeting on that probably uh it's not you know, a crossover is not, it's not it's yeah. the crossover is not favorable no <laughs> good way to uh good way to say that so really quick in the um in the chat um in terms of like audio and everything is everything coming through okay uh, do i need to do i need to turn roberto up or is um is everything yeah, kind of uh, the even there is, let us know if the audio is good kind of making just uh some minor adjustments here on my side put in the cans myself indeed all right okay sounds love, good okay that, good 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 i, lo I love that in frame right now is like three of the sponsors. You got text mix. Yeah, I don't play. Streamyard. You got your own stuff. Creator mix. You don't play. It's like the Do product not play. placement is beautiful, my friend. Yeah, dude. So I so I got this um I got this thing that I'm working on. So you've heard the clapping song, right? You've heard mm -hmm. that. I, you know, a lot of people here have heard that too. So that one's gonna be next. But um, but I have this other one that I'm working on. Um, that's gonna be my be right back song. And in that particular one, there's like one part in there just because I don't play. To where I'm like, uh, look at the logo, the plug for the show. And then in that one, I just literally, I'm, I'm literally pointing to this. <laughs> nice. I love it. Oh, yep. Do not play. Do not play. I'm working. Yeah. So Roberto, man, what's been, what, what, what's been going on? I'm working on commercials for my live streams for like all my sponsors that are like interesting commercials, but also might like throw some tips in there so that it just kind of keeps the flow of a live stream moving whenever I have to take a restroom break or I have to go do something. Um, so I think that's kind of like, um, I think that's super cool. We got, speaking of super cool, we got a super chat here. Yeah. Architectural sheet metal super says, uh, chat. good morning, Roberto, um, or Nick and Roberto. How ruthless should I be with my hustle? I don't want to seem desperate if that makes sense. Thanks guys. 
So in my opinion, and 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 actually, you, Roberto, yeah, you just showed up, man. Yeah, you. Uh, what, what do you what do you what do you think on that one? I think as much as it sounds like a cop out, I think it depends. It, I think it depends on what we mean by being ruthless and what we mean by um, hustle. Like when I say like be ruthless, what I'm talking about is the fact that it's like I think sometimes you have to be focused and dispassionate about things because I think sometimes like if you only do something when you feel emotionally motivated or compelled, then you're, you know, you're at the mercy of a feeling. But if you do something out of pure focus, discipline, hustle, grit, it's like the mission comes first. Like for me, when, when I say be ruthless, I mean, it's like the mission comes first. Nothing will stop me. Not, and within reason, anything that I can personally sacrifice, which doesn't necessarily mean other people. Uh, some people take it too far. Is yeah, like, Roberto's to like, all right, yeah, we, yep. Lay on that slab over there. Yeah. <laughs> sacrifice. It's like, what am I putting on the altar for success here? But it's like, <laughs> but no, it's like you, you ruthlessly sacrifice for the mission, which means that it's like, you, you know, like being ruthless, it goes to a certain point. Um, you could get to a point to where you could reasonably say, you know what? It's like, I'm so focused on my career or my success that I'm going to go and I'm going to pawn my Xbox and my PlayStation and all my freaking video games. I'm going to take that money. I'm going to invest into, you know, my MacBook Pro. And I'm going to just like when I'm not focused on my mission of building my finances and the life that I want for myself, when I'm not doing that, I'm working on my brain. It's like, okay, I turn off my hip hop or my rap and everything like that. I put on podcasts. I put on audiobooks. I'm working on my mind. When I'm not working on my mind. I'm in the, I'm in the gym. I'm on the grind. And when I'm not that I'm on my money. That's what being ruthless about your hustle probably would look like. And I don't think it means you're ripping all the fun out of your life. I think it's about understanding that it's like, you can have fun learning and bettering yourself. You can have fun reading. You can have fun working on your craft. You could pick a hobby that betters you as a person. You could work on the gym. There's no downsides to working out, working on your body, getting healthy. You could say, okay, well, what about relaxation? You can relax in nature and that's actually healthy. Screens are not relaxing. You can make yourself healthy by being ruthless about your hustle. And you can make yourself probably more whole by cutting out distractions and cheap dopamine. But what it will look like to other people what it will look like to other people is that you're a killjoy, you're a buzzkill, you've cut all the fun out of your life, you're not fun to be around anymore because you don't want to go out at night anymore, you don't want to drink anymore, you don't want to sit there and be on Xbox with them in the lobby for four hours on a Saturday because you realized, wait a minute, if I'm sitting here and I'm grinding for eight hours on a Saturday, that's $150, $300 in my bank account I didn't have, and I need that because it funds my mission. So that's what that looks like. Yeah. And as a part of that too, I think that, you know, like, like if you're walking down this path over here and you're like, okay, I, I like, this isn't exactly how I want things to be in order to get things how you want to be. Like you gotta, you gotta start walking a different path. Yep. Um, and, that, and that's just how it is. Like um, in terms of, um, you know, just being aggressive with the hustle, definitely, you know, making sure that you are, you know, just, you know, doing the thing in terms of like, okay, um, I need certain things in place in order to, you know, make money, you know, for my YouTube channel or, you know, whatever. So because of that, I need to make sure that I, you know, get in a hurry to get those things in place. And I actually start like, as soon as this stream is over, even while I'm listening to this in the background, I'm sitting there and I'm actually, you know, looking at some of the recommendations that Nick gave me earlier. I'm looking for affiliate programs. So I'm listening to these guys talk in the background. Um, and by doing that, you're getting yourself in motion. And the hardest thing for a lot of people is when you go from one path to the other is you have to start getting yourself in motion and that that motion 
over time, when you keep repeating, it starts creating momentum. So because of that, you have to, you know, make the decision like, you know, starting today, starting right now, not today, starting right now in this moment, I'm going to start doing things differently. And those things are like Roberto said, you know, maybe you're going to make some changes to like what you're consuming, you know, things like that. And then from there, when it comes to like monetizing your YouTube channel, because that was something that you mentioned before, then in that particular case, it's like, hey, you know, in order to sustainably do this, I'm going to need money coming in from it. Um, of course, I can keep funding it out of my own pocket, but you know, like my pockets are only so deep. So if I want to like really tap into the opportunity that's available here on YouTube, then I need to start, you know, deploying some of these other monetization tactics. So when it comes to looking desperate, which is the, the, the thing that you mentioned, when you are adding value through what it is that you share, then there's no reason to be desperate. There's no, there's like, people won't look at you like you're desperate because the information that you're sharing and what it is that you're bringing to their attention isn't done in a desperate way. If you had a video and you're like, Hey, um, you know, Hey, welcome to the video. I've got a link down in the description to buy me a coffee. Please go down there and donate to it. I'm trying to, you know, save money for this like thing or whatever that has like a desperate type of vibe. Yeah, never, it. never but frame when, things from desperation. You can be right. desperate and you can legitimately be honest with yourself about being desperate. But that doesn't mean you have to come off that way to other people or that you have to communicate to that to them and for them to maybe feel sorry for you and everything like that. There's a difference between vulnerability, like honest vulnerability and vulnerability isn't for everyone. I, I think that people get this twisted where they think they want to be vulnerable with strangers on the Internet. And that's like, no, you don't necessarily do that. You, you can be vulnerable in actual relationships you have. But when you are wanting support, you need to frame it from value for the other person, not about help me because of my circumstances. You need to always, always present- Viewer focused. Viewer yep. focused, value for the viewer. Audience comes first. When you're dealing with the audience, the audience comes first. I'm not saying they come first in every aspect of your life, every aspect of your consecration. I'm saying when you're addressing and dealing with the audience, oh, value for the viewer comes first. The audience comes first. You put them first because that's what's going to then make people want to invest in you because they're not just investing in you. They're like, they're, they're it's real reciprocity because they can make you a priority because you've demonstrated that they are a priority to you. You have to do that for people first if you want to be a priority in their life. And another part of that too is like when you are offering something as an affiliate, you're not like asking for anything. You're saying like, hey, this is available. If you want it, then you can go get it here. So you're not like begging. You're not like asking, you know, for anything. Like you're just saying, I've got this thing and this is what I use and you can get it down in the description. Or if you create a course, hey, if you want to shortcut your learning process and you're trying to learn, uh, you know, how to work with sheet metal, then I have this course available, um, you know, on Uscreen and or, you know, any course platform. But you're like, hey, yep. I got this course available and, you know, you can go there to shortcut your learning curve. So exactly. the idea there isn't like, hey, help me out by going and, and doing the course. It's like, I'm helping you out by putting this course together that's going to shortcut your learning curve. And because of that, um, because I'm sharing my knowledge, I'm actually charging a fee for access to this in return for the effort that I've put into it. Yeah, you so, and I are working on stuff like that. Jerry in the chat um, actually said it very well. Jerry, uh, pop <clears throat> Papandrea, I think I'm saying that right. Papandrea. Pop mm -hmm. uh, he he said desperation is easy to ignore. Value isn't. And Ooh, I that's so good. I, lo I love that. It's so good. It's that's right. Great. It's like desperation is easy to ignore. Value isn't. Uh, and, and we can say that that's unfortunate. And it is. 
But I think what you have to do is you have to respect people's nature and people's intent is because people put money where they get value. They don't necessarily put money where it's desperately needed or desired. They put money where they get value. And right. that's like how there's they, a difference, you know, there's a difference in starting in, in, in uh, a GoFundMe account and trying to get people over there. There's a difference in that than providing a course that's going to cut down somebody's learning curve. Right. Exactly. So so I think that I think the, the best thing that you can do is in your own mind, reframe what it is that you're doing, because you mentioned like, hey, I need to hit this amount so that, you know, so that I can, you know, kind of keep doing this. So you're thinking of it from the from the lens of like, OK, if I can't, you know, fill this dollar amount, then, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it, which puts you in a desperate position. However, if you create something of value, then there, then that removes that position because then you've created that thing you've brought awareness to those things and there's no desperation attached to any of that like sure the situation might be like hey you know i'd like to make this quick or whatever but in reality there's no desperation attached to what it is that you're offering right regardless of the situation you're in it, it's not attached to what it is that you're offering so i would i would start working on that side of things and just kind of reframe how you're thinking about it yourself in terms of like hey i'm just bringing attention to these things and i'm you know going to create this course if you're going to go that route and and all i'm doing is just bringing you know attention to these things in exchange like that's the value and then you know people will buy them or they won't yeah and you know the people that won't that's fine. They, they, they're not going to get it. But the people that will, they're going to get value out of what it is that you're sharing. And it's important that you do understand that because as content creators, everybody here, when you recommend something, there's people that are watching your videos and they didn't know about that thing. And they're going to be like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I didn't even know about that. Let me go get one of these or whatever the thing is. And they're going to get that. And that is, you know, some of the value that they're getting from what it is that you make. So as a content creator, you know, like you add value through your content, but you also add value by bringing attention to things that people otherwise wouldn't even know about. That's why I always make more in sales than I do in ad revenue every single month without fail and why I make more money right. in affiliate links than I do in ad revenue every single month without sale. And I make, even on my low end products, I make more money than I do on donations because then I can't say ad revenue for every single month because I'll give you a primary example. I make more in book sales and the book is new than I do in donations and super chats every single book month. Sales, book sales, do you, do you mean, do you mean, I'm like knocking speakers over trying to get this thing out. I've got it on this stand, right? So basically okay. I have this like envelope holder and I then I've got like all these books on here to hold it all up. I need to get you more book. copies so you have different props. I've you. got two. Yeah, I've got two. So I've got I like this one I think is the one that you gave me. And then I have the one downstairs yeah. um, that I that I bought off of, uh, that Amazon. I bought off of Amazon. Yeah, I yeah. no, appreciate you. Yeah, no, that's great. But yeah, just, you know, just reframe how you think about things. I mean, even I reframe things all the time for myself. I'm now formalizing and putting like my frameworks into my coaching so that all these things I've been saying for years, I'm building acronyms and systems around all of them and giving them to all my like coaching people and all my like membership people. It's like, you know, I'm even like I said, I'm even putting together a brand deals course for later this year. But uh, we got another super chat. We got one from living. In yeah, yeah we've got it. We've got a few. 
Okay. Yeah, we've got a few. Um, so first off, Ron and Sherry, Lucky and Love, super thank chat. you for the super sticker. Um, Better Mind Journey, super thank chat. you for the super chat there as well. They say, hey, Nick, could you tell your YouTube story, please, how long it took you to grow to 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, and what you learned personally? Love your lives. And then I saw them at another point saying, um, can my super chat by, be answered by both Nick and Roberto? That would be amazing. So okay. if Roberto is down for that, then then absolutely. Um, so I'll go first really quick, if that's okay yeah. with you, Roberto. No, that's perfectly fine. I'm so for me, I in the chat while you do that. Perfect. So I have no idea how long it took me to get um, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand subscribers. Um, I could go back and look, but I don't log those things in my brain. The only thing that I have logged in my brain is that, and the reason I have it logged in my brain is because I made a video specifically where I mentioned like, hey, you know, I only have 150 subscribers at the time of this video. Um, and that was the five month mark from starting my YouTube channel. So it took me five months to get my first 150. And then um, from there, I'm not exactly sure how long it took to get the 100. But I can say that once I did start picking up just a little bit of momentum, it was like a rocket. So basically, like I was one of those channels to where people looked at it like it was an overnight success, but it wasn't. Um, but it was, you know, people were like, whoa, you know, Nick's everywhere all of a sudden. But it was just because of, you know, once once it hit and once people, you know, once I hit that threshold where people started like really responding to what it was that I was doing, then then it just, you know, it just took off. Um, so you know, in my personal journey, um, you know, I don't know the dates of those numbers. I should probably write them down because I do get asked that from time to time. Um, but in terms of what I've learned personally. So first off, Brian G. Johnson in the house. What's up, dude? Hope you're doing awesome. So um, so one of the things that um, that I learned personally was that I had no idea what I was getting into. So, you know, at the time, people were talking about like, you know, YouTubers are like doing okay. And people were talking about like, you know, I would see other YouTubers that I was watching where they would have like car companies give them cars and stuff like that. But I, I still didn't understand it. Um, I also didn't understand on the community side and the impact and all of that. I didn't understand the feedback that you'd be getting from people. I didn't understand the judgment that you would be getting from people. Like, you know, like I get a lot of really nice emails and a lot of really nice messages. And you guys see some of them, you know, when you hang out here in the chat on a regular basis, you know, you see a lot of super chats come in where people are just swinging by and they'll be like, you know, hey, you know, thanks for, you know, uh, you know, for the information, blah, blah, blah. And they'll drop a super chat or they'll just say it in the chat, whatever. Um, so I get a lot of that. But, you know, I also occasionally get people that will do the opposite to where they'll leave me just like really nasty comments. I'm sure a lot of you experience this also to where you'll just have people just leave you really nasty comments and they'll say things about you to where you're like, man, I never even really thought about that. I didn't even notice that I said that wrong. <laughs> right? And people will just, you know, take you to take you to town, so to speak, on, you know, the way that you communicate, the way you think about stuff, the way you look, you know, all that. I didn't expect that. Um, but at a, at a higher level. I didn't, I didn't expect YouTube to make the impact on my life that it did. So I thought like, Hey, you know, this might be like a, you know, a solution or it might be, you know, a path of some kind, but I had no clue. Like I had, I didn't, I didn't like, I was thinking that like the opportunity was down here. I had no idea that the opportunity was, you know, way up here. So for me, that was like a really big, um, you know, thing that I learned along the way. And then in addition to that, I also learned, you know, how important it is to, you know, like network with other content creators, because until my brother started making videos for YouTube, um, you know, I was just doing this myself in terms of the people around me. So because of that, like a lot of you here, I'm guessing, um, you know, it was a really lonely experience, right? So basically I was just in like in my own world, making videos and just kind of doing that whole thing. And um, it was just a really lonely experience. And through networking, 
um, with other content creators, it made it to where it wasn't a lonely experience anymore. Because then I had people that I could talk to on Facebook and, and you know, or, or, you know, whatever messenger or whatever, but that I could talk to that were also dealing with the same things that I was dealing with that were thinking about the same things that I was thinking about and so on. So that networking side of things um, is really important. And I wish that I would have started doing it sooner. Um, because, you know, the impact that that by itself can make um, can be pretty substantial. But, um, um, but yeah, so for me, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, that I've learned, but in terms of the numbers, I'm not really sure of the dates behind things, but, um, but those are, you know, some of the things that I've, um, learned, but I've also learned, but we all see this, but I've also learned how, how abrasive people can be online compared to like in real life. So like, for example, like, um, you know, people will say horrible things online, but when you go to like a conference and you're like talking to everybody, you don't run into one person not that says one. anything negative not like, whatsoever. One. Right? Not so, one. Never. <laughs> never. People right. do so, not have that same energy. They do yeah, not have so, that same energy. <laughs> so when you are, you know, like when, when you're dealing with people online, especially if you're getting like haters in your comments or whatever, just, you know, just remember that those people wouldn't have the guts to say that, you know, if they were, if they were in person. Roberto, how about you? Oh God. Okay. Like when I started on YouTube, it was way, way back in the day and everything like that. I actually started in YouTube back in 2000, like uh, five, 2006. A lot of people don't know that because I started with my friends and those channels don't really exist and I don't really have access to them. And I was doing a lot of our like VFX stuff. People don't like realize that or know how much like I was like the behind the scenes guy for stuff. And that was how it was. And I'd be in front of the camera sometimes too. We were trying to do things that were much more we were trying to do narrative, like short film type things. We would actually write little short films um, kind of that were expressions of um, stories we were trying to tell growing up in our small town, you know? So like I was 23, I think when YouTube came out on the scene and I'd been editing online and doing online video and uh, Photoshop and all this stuff for like years before YouTube ever existed. Cause I'd been doing stuff like this since I was a teenager before YouTube ever existed and YouTube came out when I was a grown adult. So I've been making online video for like years, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours. I was editing in stuff like almost every day for years before YouTube ever came out. So the current YouTube channel started in 2009, but I barely uploaded for like four years. I uploaded less than 20 or 30 videos in a four year period. That's not being a YouTuber. And in 2009, there was no such thing as really being a YouTuber. YouTube was still just a video sharing, video hosting platform. And like 90% of the content on YouTube was all pirated content anyway. People were not coming to YouTube for homegrown YouTubers in 2009. My era of YouTube pop when YouTube was popping was when um, Kane Carter, Hot Damn I Rock, he was like the uh, most popping comedian on YouTube and the internet back in the day at the time. His content would totally get him canceled today. But he was like the guy. You know, he was like one of these um, up and coming young black comedians, kind of in the vein of like a Patrice O'Neill, but on the Internet, you know, and he was the guy and like me and the boys would gather around and just like binge watch his videos like on the weekend. But he was also doing like really funny comedy and like making clones of himself and doing the Eddie Murphy thing, playing multiple cameras, but multiple characters, but filling filming himself and doing all kinds of things and skits and everything like that and social commentary style jokes. Freddie Wong was the name in After Effects and video editing. And my aspiration back then was I was teaching myself After Effects and I've, I'm actually really good at After Effects. A lot of people only realize that. I didn't know that. that. Yeah, I didn't yeah know people that. starting to catch on now that I do green screen content. People starting to catch on to some of my actual video editing chops. I've always been obsessed with video editing 
but my format uh, for simplicity, efficiency, and I felt like some things were a distraction. A lot of people just don't, I was being subtle about my video editing and, you know, people don't notice those kind of things. But uh, yeah, so even some of my early content was a portfolio of some of my After Effects work, believe it or not. And I got hired for some freelance gigs uh, because I could do things in After Effects that corporate clients couldn't. And I was making good money as a video editor. I was doing uh, projects where I mostly just had to customize things that um, clients wanted from After Effects templates because they had money and they had a business and they wanted a specific outcome, but they literally just didn't know how to use the tool. And they were willing to say, look, I, I don't care if this project's only going to take you a weekend, Roberto. I'm going to pay $1,500 for it because I want it the way I want it. And so I would do one project in a weekend, sometimes make $1,500 just editing After Effects templates and then assembling and putting some of these uh, things over footage. Now, this is, you know, back in the day. And it's not because, oh, you can't do that now or this or that or five or this or that. It just is like if you have clients and if you build a relationship with somebody and somebody's like, well, I'm coming to you because I trust you, not because you're cheap. I'm uh, like, there's a difference because, uh, you know, I did other work or other projects for them in the past. So that when they had this need, they were going to use me for this other thing. So I was a jack of all trades. So when I started doing YouTube seriously in 2013, I was a full-time freelancer. So I had all this time freedom because it's not that I had all the time in the world. It's that I controlled when I go to bed, when I wake up, when I work, uh, how long I work for. I was in control of all of my processes. So I started doing YouTube seriously in 2013. Uh, I started going ham because I it, like in about 11 months, I had 10,000 subscribers and I wasn't keeping count. So I have no idea when I got to a thousand, but I know within about 11 months of the summer of 2013, I know that like in spring when I like, you know, looked around and I'm like, huh, it's like April and I have like, you know, 10,000 subscribers in April of 2014 or something like that. Uh, I wake up uh, year two, February 2015. I have like 20,000 subscribers. And I'm like, it's time to go full time. It's time like, well, not full time. It's time to go hardcore. It's time to go all in, so to speak. It's time to go to um, daily uploads if I can. I went from going to one to two uploads a week to um, daily or near daily content. And so in the period between February of 2015 and um, I want to say April or May of 2016, I went from 20,000 subscribers to 100,000 subscribers in that period. So we can say a couple of things. We can either say that, oh, it took me three years to get 100,000 subscribers. And chronologically, that's true. You could also say that I added 100,000 subscribers from 20,000 in 18 months. And that's also true. So I actually got 100,000 more subscribers in like 18 months. That's also true. I grew by um, 80,000 subscribers in 16 months. That's also true. Um, I went from 60 to 75K between February and December of that year. So I more than tripled my subscribers and grew by like, um, you know, 55,000 subscribers in less than a year. That's also true. I did that in about 10 months. So you see, there's there's this thing that I did not realize was special by the way. Cause I, I even still was like, well, my favorite YouTubers like have a million subscribers. So I didn't think it was special. I didn't even know to tell that story back then. And it wasn't off of like YouTube help content. It was mostly Adobe software and camera gear. Um, mostly back then I was a Nikon shooter. And so I was doing a lot of video editing tutorials, Photoshop tutorials, print design tutorials, logo design tutorials, how to start a career doing freelance work, whether you want to do graphics. 
I was also making money as a freelance writer. I was writing for publications. I was making $250 to $500 an article. These articles would take me one to two hours to write. So, you know, again, I didn't come out of nowhere. And so, oh, I'm going to be a best-selling author. I've been a writer for a long time and I've been a paid writer for a long time. So I was making like money and I lived in North Carolina. So rent, cheap. You know, so that helps. <laughs> like that helps. You get a you know, get get a three bedroom sure. house for nine hundred dollars in North Carolina. That's rent. So it's like that's you know. So when um I started doing like Amazon affiliate off the tech videos and the budget um laptop roundups because I would find all the budget laptops and I would do things and if I couldn't get to borrow one or something I'd go to Best Buy and test the laptops <laughs> like ah, nice. for basic things. Yeah, exactly. And so that I was like doing budget laptop reviews. And I was making it affordable, accessible. So I started making like about $1,200, $1,500 a month from the Amazon affiliate program between budget laptop and camera gear for beginners, best graphic design laptops, best laptops for students. I was doing that kind of content um, in addition to the tutorials that you want to use the software for. So it's like very low budget stuff, beginner friendly. That's what grew me. It's like the beginner market. Okay. And career development, because it's like every year, there's new graphic designers. Every year, there's new photographers. Every year, there's new video editors. So it was this growing market vertical, just like the creator economy in YouTube is now, growing market vertical, yep. all search-friendly content all the time, okay? Um, very specific value propositions in the video. Evergreen, so the content lasts forever and just keeps churning new views, new subscribers, new money. And main uh, revenue stream from the YouTube side was affiliate marketing. I got into a multi-channel network and MCN. They were taking half my AdSense. So I made Ooh. like no money on AdSense. I was making $300 a month on AdSense for years, y'all. For like three years. For three years, I was making $300 to $600 a month on AdSense. That's it. That's all I was making. AdSense didn't do it for me. Uh, so the Amazon affiliate program, that could pay rent for me and utilities because of what I was making from just that. And you don't need a bunch of subscribers for all that to work. You just need buyers, which means making buyer's guides. I was making buyer's guides. You can go back and look at my videos from 2016. I was making laptop buyer's guides. I was making Photoshop PC part roundups for a PC build to custom build your own Photoshop PC to be efficient. And so I was making all this bank on Amazon from the hardware sales. Um, then I got into software because I was doing tutorials. I got into software-based affiliate marketing. Then that started making money. TubeBuddy was the best one with me obviously i didn't make youtube help content at all until i had like maybe thirty thousand subscribers and none of it was growth based it was on the camera the lights the audio it was on the monetization side even of saying hey you can make some money with affiliate instead of just adsense or whatever um the i was one of the first people to start showing my adsense in my youtube analytics so i didn't lean in to youtube growth content until i already had a hundred thousand subscribers so like my early youtube journey was always helping creative people. It was helping them with practical skills as the foundation first. And I and in career development, skill building, and even soft skills, teaching people how to build their portfolio, teaching people how to build their stuff, teaching people even how to network as introverts a little bit. You know, there, so it was things like that. Then I moved into more of the content creation, online business help space, social media, because I also was having a lot of clients that I was helping with the back end of their social media. I was helping clients and businesses with their stuff, even with their YouTube channels. That was like, I want to focus on creators instead of businesses. So I pivoted who I served, and that was a shift. And the, you know, as they say, the like the rest is history. It's like, and I grew substantially right up until the pandemic. I just took like a massive break. If I hadn't stopped grinding, 
I've made 1,500 plus videos. If I didn't stop grinding during the pandemic, I'd be at a million subscribers. Next question, Roberto. This one's directly for you. Um, this is from David Matney. Um, says, uh, Roberto, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently if you were to start your YouTube differently all over again? Oh, I probably like would if you were just... If you were starting at ground zero, what would you do? If I was starting at ground zero, I'll give you two answers for that. I'll say what I would have done back then. I'll tell you what I would do today because I think that'd be more practical for people. Perfect, back, yeah, yeah. Back then, because I had all this time freedom, and but I just didn't know YouTube's potential. Knowing what I know now and knowing the potential, I go harder on it sooner, and I probably end up very focused on the creator and tech side a little sooner. I use my beginner, my expertise in the graphic design, camera and videoing stuff, but eventually probably doubled much down more on video editing, camera gear, and then social media content growth, YouTube growth, uh, not just YouTube, but all the social networks back then. Cause back then there were, the networks were actually competitive. They were actually competitive back then, back then, knowing what I know now, I would take an advantage of Facebook organic reach back then. So many YouTubers blew up leveraging Facebook back when it actually gave you organic reach for pushing your YouTube content way back in the day. So I would have just like doubled down harder, a lot sooner. There would have been less uh, like saturation in the market. I don't really believe the market is saturated, but there would have been even less of it back then. So going more aggressive, going faster, um, you know, that would have definitely been a big deal. I would have invested more back into production uh, even back then. And uh, so I would put more people into really underestimate the value of, of good production. Like it's sure. not always, it's not always like required, but in some cases, like it can really make a big difference in terms of just how people perceive what it is that you're doing. Like, um, um, you know, like you're fine on your phone. Like let's say you're out like vlogging or like something like that, or, you know, in a lot of cases because phones are just so awesome now with, you know, with the technology. Um, so, you know, now it's fine, but, um, you know, like before phones got to where they're at, um, like a lot of people really just undervalue, like just having great audio, having great looking yep. optics and the, and what that does to people in their brains. So yes. I know that, you know, in some cases it works against people, you know, and people want that like super amateur, just authentic, you know, thing. It can work against people in some cases there, um, especially on like TikTok and places like that. But man, mm -hmm. like the difference that it makes in terms of that perception is, is, is pretty interesting. A thousand percent. So yeah, back then. I would have just went harder on the three cylinders back then of it was very easy to get a value proposition back then. And I would have like really went hard on that. Um, I think back then because people's expectations were lower and most people weren't focused on it, I could have blown people out of the water on quality. And then because I could have done that fast with quantity because of my uh, work experience, having to deliver stuff on deadlines made me such a fast, efficient, effective video editor. And back then you didn't have to edit so much B-roll and so much this and so much that and so many like things. I could have went daily sooner at a higher level of quality than I was going. And then I would have also really narrowed into my value. I probably would have made less of those videos that were for me for fun or goofing around or anything like that. And I would have just taken it seriously and treated it much more like a career. Um, knowing what I know now, I would have went full career mode. I would have went full career mode, carved out space for myself, ruthlessly focused on the videos that were getting me the most views and subscribers, narrowed down my value proposition more to that, experimented in a few other verticals to help with that would have massively taken advantage of the video editing video camera and tech thing that's going on uh kind of like my friend sarah dici and i 
like that's what I would have done differently back then. Today, if I was starting today, first thing I do is in my case, I'd get clarity because today I would be because today I know what YouTube is. And I know what YouTube does. I would spend probably months in preparation, but not analysis paralysis, but I would give myself, I would consider myself just like an athlete. I'd be, I'm going to train before tryouts. I'm going to train before tryouts. And when I show up, I'm going to show up proper. And so I, I would like have a plan for my YouTube channel. I'd be launching my channel probably with a good three videos that I'm not telling you to launch with three videos on day one. I'm just telling you what I would do because I'd be making evergreen content. So I'd be hitting like three really solid evergreen videos that my channel starts with. And then I'd be pumping out um, videos, multiple videos a week to start out with, with me going on full cylinders. Cause what I would be doing is I'd be building a recommendation catalog. Cause I know what channel I'd start today. If I was going to start a channel, I'd probably become a channel like I am now, but my starting point would be, I'd be starting with camera stuff and I'd be going into that niche. Cause I would be like, I'm a camera guy anyway. So I'd be coming in hot with like, versus videos on Sony comparisons because I know it'll always get views forever and that those camera models last for years. People buy them on discount when they get older, blah, blah, blah. Camera lenses, why you need this, why you need that and everything's like that. So very much like um, Lizzie Pierce and Chris Howe and Atola Visuals, that kind of thing, Potato Jet, that kind of thing. I'd be coming in hot kind of into that space. But just like uh, our friend Jevin Dovey, I'd be um, seeding in creator centric things. And I'd be like cameras for creators, cameras for this situation. Oh, vlogging stuff, this, that break into the creator economy space, talking about that as I grow and just about how much I love making things, stuff like that. I wouldn't be doing Peter McKinnon style things, but I would have learned lessons from him. I would have like learned how to incorporate aspects of what made him successful into what I do. So I would have like um, picked my mentors or my heroes I would have remixed from five of them. It's like, here are five. Here's one thing I like about these five different people that resonates with me. Here are the things I think that they don't do or that they miss out on or what they do that alienates me or makes me feel like an amateur or makes me feel stupid or makes me feel broke. And then I would counter that. And then I would help beginners not feeling the things that I feel when I watch big creators. And I would like, I would do the things that I feel the big creators leave out while simultaneously doing the things that I think make them authentic and interesting and exciting and pure and good to watch. And I would balance those things and I'd have, okay, those are those 10 objectives I got to hit. And I'd be making that content. And I would figure out because I'm me and I'm a lunatic, I'd be figuring out how I'm going to make two to three videos like that, like a week that hit my really? like value proposition. That's really quick, I, I I just want to highlight this this um, comment right here. The Tinder Care says, really shifting into that full-time career mindset will make such a difference. Yep. Not only shifting into that mindset, but like owning owning that position. And this is going to sound really weird, but um, but I just wanted to I, I wanted to highlight this really quick because this is such an impactful thing. So I, I I believe that one of the things that helped me in my journey as a content creator, and we're going to hop back into the forum right here in just a second, um, to to kind of double team some of these questions here. Yeah. But um. But, but one of the things that, um, that I believe also helped me is like, once I decided, and it took a while for me to, you know, to get clear on it, but once I decided like, yep, I'm into this YouTube thing, I'm hooked. Like I, this is what I want to do. Um, I immediately adjusted my mindset in, into like what you're talking about here and shifting into like a full-time creator mindset. So I started handling myself 
like I was already like a, a full-time content creator, I started handling myself and doing everything around like my channel and like how I was operating. Um, like I assumed that other, you know, professional content creators were doing. And that by itself, um, I believe also is something that made like a, a pretty big difference because when you're approaching things that way, you also start being that way. And I think that that also, you know, translates well when people are like watching your videos and stuff and it causes them to, you know, receive what it is that you're saying in a different way because you're certain versus like, you know, like, eh, yeah, like you're certain. And I think that that makes a, a really, uh, a really big difference. So thanks for mentioning that. I just wanted to highlight. Oh, that yeah, quick. it's a it's a big deal. The other thing I will say before we double team these questions is. The mistake that I think I made back then is the common one of the YouTubers of my era was we kept thinking we were making videos for our subscribers. We had all these things like, oh, subscriber burnout and these kind of like mantras and things. Is there a train? So if you hear that, um, they're celebrating Chinese New Year. Oh, okay. So those it's are, all yeah, good. that's a, that's a roll. I apologize, everybody. So that's a roll of fireworks that my neighbors are letting off. Oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. Great. I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, yeah, so it's Chinese New Year. They're starting to celebrate um, today. So my neighbors um, like over that way, because I got like rice fields and stuff over here. Yeah. My neighbors over that way are uh, uh, Chinese. Uh, they're they're mixed, Thai and Chinese. Okay. So they, uh, yeah, cool. they're like partying down. Well, we'll uh, say today. when I when I visit you in Chiang Mai, we'll say hi to them. Um, okay. All but right. like, because <laughs> like I'm working out my passport stuff. But yeah, I would oh, like nice. if I... Um, if I could go back, and even now I keep thinking about this and I keep coaching people on this now, it's like I now make videos with the idea of, I make every video with the idea that the person that most of the people watching, I'm like, I assume that 50 to 80% of the people watching never seen me, never heard of me. And that mindset is what makes my videos more effective. When I make videos that I think are much more just for my audience, those are the videos that underperform. And I don't mind doing them because sometimes that's valuable um, and it's good to build a connection with your audience. Uh, I think live streaming can be that way as well. Sometimes live streams have that like replays have value to people who've never seen you before either. Cause like I have a live stream from three months ago, Nick, that's now over a hundred thousand views from three months ago. Nice. And it's nice. because it's valuable to people who've never heard of me. It's on being a full-time content creator. Um, it's one seventy thousand from the same time period um, on the analytics thing and exposing all of my data. Um, you know, and those are like four hour videos. They have average view durations of one hour and 40 and another one's 45 minutes. That's like people not playing around and people really getting the value. And so what, like those might be, they're essentially outliers. free courses. They're yeah. They're essentially, essentially free courses. So for people that are committed, yeah, for people that are committed, like as soon as they come into those, like, yep, this is exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> right? Exactly. Making time for this one. Yeah, this week. Yeah. yeah, so if I could do anything, it'd be, I would make everything in mind with the fact that like, like I did in the old days, no one's seen me, no one's heard about me, no one cares. I have to make sure that I give them a reason to care and that I deliver value and I address them like they've never been here before. It's not about making stuff for my, who I think my audience is, it's making stuff for who my audience is gonna be. That's the shift. So we're going to hop back into the form. Um, so the next question that we have here is from Especially Paper. Um, Especially Paper says that they do paper crafts content. The goal of the channel is to provide tutorials and sell digital goods. And the question is, do you have suggestions for reviving a channel? I didn't do anything with it for a couple of years. Prior to that, it was haphazard, um, really just a place to store videos, but it got some views. So 
just start making content for it. Yep. Like, um, you know, the, the same rules apply. So like if your channel has just been, you know, dormant for a while, you know, one good video will pull you out of that. Um, because you know, each video on YouTube is, is handled, you know, as a standalone piece of content. So because of that, you just need one good video to get you right back on track again. So, um, just start making content again. Do you have anything to add to that, Roberto? Uh, same thing, but I have a, uh, anecdote for it. I have a, I have a friend who um, started in the most saturated niche ever, gaming. But he went with super new game, um, and he's growing in that game. It's a, And the thing is, it's smart because it's a game that the company is buying ads for everywhere. I see the ads for this game everywhere. And he went hard on it. He revived the channel that had no subscribers, Nick, from like five years ago when he mm. was playing a completely different game with him and his son. And basically within a month he went from having like 200 subscribers to having 6,000 subscribers getting monetized. And now he's been at this like with two months and the last two months he's made a $800 a month on this and it's a gaming channel. Um, so he's made like $1,600 in two months, um, like 6,000 plus subscribers in the last two months on a dead channel. So it is entirely possible to revive a dead channel after five or six years if you use fresh, relevant content that people want and have a demand for, his thumbnail game is ruthless. His better thumbnails than people with the same game that have the biggest person in that game right now, I think has 35,000 subscribers. He's ruthless with his thumbnails and he makes thumbnails better than someone with 30K. Um, you know, he's so he's killing it in what's probably one of the hardest things to do in YouTube, which is gaming. And it can be done. If, if you can revive a dead gaming channel, a dead channel can be revived. And I'm not going to... Next question. He doesn't want me to, like, tell anybody... Broadcast it. Challenges. <laughs> he doesn't want, like, because for him, it's a second channel of his. It's a second channel of his. He doesn't want an audience that's not the people that came for That's the not the people he's trying to reach, sure. Yep. Um, especially in the process of trying to revive the, uh, the channel. Drolling yep. Moose uh, Homestead is our next question. They do off-grid and homesteading content. The goal of the channel is to share our journey and to help other um, help others avoid mistakes that we've made and make a living from YouTube. The question is, I've made a two-year plan to grow my small channel to a point where I can make a full-time living. I was implementing the plan and seeing some growth when I suddenly lost my job. Now I'm looking at trying to accelerate this growth and get monetization as quickly as possible. If you were going to grow a 100-sub channel to make a living as quickly as possible, what would be your strategy? I would I would start a channel that wasn't just a passion channel. I would start a channel for the purpose of making money. Um, so basically, if I was trying to fast track that, um, I would start a channel for the purpose of making money, which in that particular case would come down to making like a lot of review videos and things like that so that I could get positioned in front of people that were looking for products to buy um, or looking for information about those products. And I would upload a video a day since you don't have a job. Um, so that's that would be the approach that uh, that I would take there to try to get everything moving um, a little bit. But keep in mind. Um, if you have a 100 subscriber channel currently, um, if you are still in the process of learning the skills required and things like that, um, you're racing against the clock in that particular situation because then not only are you trying to generate income from the channel, but you're also going through the learning curve of just learning how to do the content thing and getting people to click and enjoy the content and all of that. Um, so because of that, um, just be honest with yourself. You might have everything that you need in terms of, you know, the skill sets to, to do what, you know, to do what you, what you need to do. Um, but if you don't identify it and get a job to hold you over while you're working on YouTube as your side hustle, um, instead of, 
you know, just going all in on YouTube is like, quick, I need to make money because the way that you're going to be taking or the way that you're going to be doing things in that situation is going to be different than if you know that you have that cushion. I mean, it, it might cause you, depending on your personality, it might cause you to, you know, like learn quickly, or in some cases it'll cause people to just be really, um, to take like a more, you know, desperate approach since that was the language we were using earlier. Um, it might cause some people to take a more desperate approach. Um, and, you know, essentially not be able to accomplish what it is that they're trying to accomplish because they're taking that particular um, approach. Roberto, what would you do? Um, doing it now with a recession and mass inflation um, and so, as someone who survived the previous recession, I'd be like, oh, I, I do something. The thing I do is I go out and I would get and services. Job. I would, yes, yeah. job and services. Yeah, I would immediately go looking for jobs and negotiate better because I, I, like the previous job position, you probably negotiated without leverage back then. Now you have more experience. You're older. You're more valuable in the marketplace. I go back into the marketplace. I negotiate at a higher salary than I previously have. I get a better job and I probably get even if I can, if I have the skill set, I get a remote job. I get a remote work job so I can work flex time. As long as I get my stuff done, they ain't worried about my hours. Now I have time, freedom, time control to some extent for my content creation game. The other thing is I'm also now probably less likely to have bad habits. So one of the first things to go when you become a full-time content creator or you work from home, one of the first things to go is all your um, discipline and all of your productivity habits and all of your accountability. So I get myself back into and stay in work mode. Uh, I have that stable, reliable income because that's runway. Because you know what you can't do? You can't make good content when you're stressed out and you're really freaking out about stuff. It's that's gonna... what I meant on the desperation side of things. Yeah, like to where it's like a different thing. Like, you know, some people are wired for that, but other people aren't. And it'll come through right. in like everything they're doing in some uh, well, cases. Like I said, the stress of the pandemic wasn't even financial stuff. The stress of the – I made the most money I've ever made during the pandemic, ironically. Um, the stress of the pandemic – and health stuff in my family and my dogs passing away um, destroyed all of my motivation and momentum when it came to making content. And it really hurt my growth, my momentum, and the potential of where I could have made even more income. So I would eliminate the stress factors in my life by getting income stable instead of thinking I'm going to go full-time to content creation and I'm going to make all this money. Because the thing is, it takes years to make a livable income from content creation, even when you have skills, even when you have every advantage, which is why when you see all these YouTubers who blow up, they're all kids. You know why they're all kids? They're all kids or they're supplemented or subsidized by their um, spouse, their partner, whoever. A lot of times I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm spilling tea on this and everything like that. The reason that everybody who blows up under YouTube is um, that's like takes all these big risks and they tell you put every dime back into your YouTube channel because they're all single, have no kids and are under 25 and are not responsible. And failure for them is not living in a tent somewhere. Failure for them is going back to mommy and daddy in the suburbs. If that ain't your life, then that ain't your life. I'm just going to be real with you about that. It's like I love what, you, Roberto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that's how it is. That's how it is. That's why these kids get a million, 10 million. And that's uh, because they can take all this extraordinary risk because what's going to happen if they fail and take this risk? What's going to happen if they go viral? Hell, what's going to happen if they get canceled? Oh, they're going to go back to mommy and daddy in a like half million dollar home in the South or in the Midwest and everything like that, or in LA where they grew up. And it's like, and that's not your life. So if you're an adult and you have responsibilities, the, the thing is you have to mitigate risk and you have to invest back responsibly into your channel, but you have to create cushions and you have to use a different path. That's why I made that one video about the video that every content creator over 30 should watch because 
you just have a different life and a different set of responsibilities and a different financial reality. So me, I lose my job. I know I have to replace it. I know we're in a recession. I know we have inflation. I know there's financial instability. I have to replace a reliable income first. Then I have to stack on top of that income as hard as it might be. I have to hustle, which means while I'm trying to get the job, I have to cash flow, which means if I have to cash flow, I need to be doing freelancing, online services, making my money where I can day in and day out, putting cash in my hand. I might have to do um, gig work. I might have to do DoorDash, Uber. I might have to do temp work. I might have to go sign up for like Robert Half and do temp work or something like that. I have to do something to cash flow. I have to then still try if I want to make this content work, I've got to do that. And then I have to theoretically get a full-time job. But if I'm going to do it and I know I want to pursue content creation, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. Now that I know I can negotiate a better salary because I'm older and I've got experience, go back into the market at a higher rate. I try to get flex time if I have the skill set. If I have the skill set, I try to get flex time. If I can't do that, I get a higher paying, less mentally intensive physical labor job and then do that and then also work on my body and my spare time get a little stronger so that it's less of a stamina drain so that, okay, if I can manage it now, but I'm making more money, maybe I did the physical labor, make more money. I have less energy, but now I have more money to invest into my content creation. And so I can speed ramp it to where I can work harder for a shorter runway of time of being an employee. And so what I would do is I'd create a, a, a window and a ramp for myself of how much money I need to invest, how much money I need to make, how long is it gonna take to replace this income? And I can probably shorten that runway, lower my expenses, lower my debt, mitigate risk. So I would just, I would just build a solid financial plan around all of this that looks extremely responsible. <laughs> but I'd also- I knew you'd have a good answer for that. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah, I knew, but I I, yeah, I knew you'd just, have a good answer for that. But I also plan an exit. I plan a like this job right. isn't forever. And like, I would just keep repositioning myself, keep moving different chess pieces. Welcome to the Niminati. Ronnie's Rambles, welcome to the Niminati. Make sure when you get the chance that you get, man, that sounds good in headphones. Make sure when you get the, uh, oops, wrong thing there. Make sure when you get the chance, gotta go to the right button, go to nimmonvip.com. That's gonna redirect you to our members only Facebook group. Fill out all the information on the way in um, because that's how we're gonna verify that you're a member. Next week, that system is gonna be different. Um, but as of right now, that's how we're currently, uh, that's how we're currently, uh, that's how we're currently doing it. So, um, so. Do that before the stream is over today, and then I will. Uh, then I'll get you in there as soon as the stream is uh, complete. I've actually yeah. already added uh, one person already in there while we were on the conversation today. Yeah. So the next question. That oh, by the way, one quick ahead. thing. Shout out to all of you who were super young, but also were super responsible. I'm just telling you about the norm of the kids. I was on so YouTube. not responsible as a as a young person. <laughs> I'm still not even that responsible, if I'm honest. But man, ah, as, a, as a young person. Fine. As a young person, though, oh my gosh. You're doing fine. Ooh. Your bills are on auto pay, Nick. That's yeah. the embodiment of being an adult. Like, <laughs> true, but I'm just true. saying, some of y'all were responsible in your 20s. I'm just telling you that the kids on YouTube, they don't, they're not married, no kids. Like, the kids on YouTube that make all this money, all this bank, they throw everything back into their YouTube channel. Of course, they throw everything back into their YouTube channel and eat ramen because you can do that when you're 22 and single and no kids or 19 and single and no kids. Right, right. Hey, really quick, um, real estate um, in Espanol says, um, what do you think about doing a daily short answering a specific question to grow subscribers and mostly to create consistency in posting? Consistency in long form is my weakness. If you just have a short, if you just wanna answer a question in a short, that's fine, but I wouldn't use that as like a crutch. If, if long form content is what you believe is gonna help you achieve your goal in terms of the thing that you're doing YouTube for, then in that particular case, um, I would make sure that you are 
you know, making sure to get that done. But absolutely, you can, you know, you can grow your channel on YouTube Shorts while you're in the process of working on that consistency without question. Um, our next question that we have here is from A Plus Russian. A Plus Russian says they've been on YouTube for one year or more. They do educational storytelling as the type Seeing of channel. Stuff. Yep. Um, the goal of the channel is raise cultural awareness. And the question is, hey, Nick, what's the update on monetization light? I believe YouTube announced last fall that in early 2023, they'll be opening non-ad partner program benefits to channels that only yeah, the need fan one of the monetization. Stuff. Yep. Yeah, lower go ahead, Roberto. Funding, lower fan funding requirements, which I talked about in my interview with uh, YouTube VP of Creator Products, uh, Amjad Anif. Uh, we talked about that at length. There's not a current update on that. I believe that we have to wait on the rollout for YouTube Shorts ads in February 1st and the payouts in March 1st. I think they're prioritizing that more than prioritizing everything else. The next thing I expect them to prioritize would be live streaming and fan funding after they come for TikTok's lunch, uh, Twitch is next on their plate. And so they're going to devour them with gusto, I imagine. So I estimate maybe early to late Q2 um, or early Q3 for that. We'll have to wait and see, but that is still pending as best as I can tell. And um, don't be surprised if in Q2 or Q3, we get more announcements around YouTube podcasting, which also can um, lead to that as well. And with the podcasting developments from the leaked documents we've seen and even the public announcements, there's probably actually even going to be Google introducing a new ad format, which could also then translate to more potential on the YouTube side as well. They've changed as you already know, the agreement, please watch me and Nick's videos about the new YouTube agreements. Make sure you're signing the new modules uh, for that, for your contract for the YouTube partner program. If you are a monetized creator, I know everyone would love for them to lower the requirements. Here's my challenge to you. How about we just make the current requirements, right? Like how about you just hit the current requirements? We'll help you do it. You know, whichever way that works, we'll help you do it's it. That's what we do here. Yep. And then yeah, that's, that's all we do. We do. And then yep. you ain't got to worry about them lowering the bar if you're already at it. Yep. If the if the bar's up here, you got to raise yourself to that bar, <laughs> right? Yep. And then when they when they lower it, then you just got to get yourself to that point. Um, I remember I remember when I started my channel, like you know, like you, you can tell how old we are on YouTube, like our YouTube age. You you know, you're the same way because you've been on longer than I have, but. Uh, you know, and back in my day back when we started day. YouTube channels, we got monetized before we even published a video. Back when I started, I've Good seen old days. them deprecate twenty features of this platform. Like people don't know. Like I've we're seen out here with our with so our with our YouTube canes, right? Yeah, back in my day, so, like my so, YouTube uh, branded walker. <laughs> Poop Scoop for Noobs um, has a question here. It says um, they have a poop scooping business. The goal of the channel is to become a resource for other scoopers and inspire others to start their own business. And the question is, um, what are the three aspects I should focus on when doing my first live stream? My anxiety gets the better of me when I think about going live, but it's part of my content strategy I want to implement in 23. Um, a, the very first thing would be a plan of some kind so you know exactly what you're going to deliver. The second to calm your anxiety would be a fallback. Um, and basically what a fallback is, is that is a second list that you would have next to your actual plan for your show. 
in that particular list is just things like little statements that you can make to yourself. So if your mind goes blank or something like that, you can hit that list and redirect the conversation instead of just sitting there trying to think of something to say. Um, the third is get really familiar with your tech. So before you go live, like another part of the anxiety is like something's going to go wrong. First, I can tell you, this isn't gonna help your anxiety, but something probably will go wrong. Every it's just time. part of the process. I have stuff go wrong. I've been doing this for years and stuff still goes, <laughs> stuff still goes wrong. Um, but uh, but yeah, just get familiar with your tech. Use something easy to get started, like StreamYard, um, just so that you can you know just have just so you can do it easily. Um, because the more tech you add, especially when you're first getting started, the more chances you have of something going wrong. Um, so I would just start you know as as bare as you possibly can um, with your stream, and and those three things those three things should get you taken care of because um, all of those address the things that people typically have the anxiety for, which is like my tech going wrong, forgetting what I'm going to say and looking stupid. If you prepare your show, you're not going to look stupid. If you, um, are worried about, you know, forgetting what you're going to say, that fallback will have you taken care of. And if you're worried about the tech, just use something simple and you'll be good to go. I agree with that. A hundred percent. Next on our list, we got T Hand One Forty One Homestead says um, they do homesteading and lifestyle content. The goal of the channel is to share that lifestyle, make money, and have fun. And the question is, I've been looking at my YouTube analytics for my live streams on Streamyard. I noticed that um, in an hour, with more than eight people watching at all times, which should equal at least eight hours, I'm only registering for the one point nine hours from the replay, and not the hours from the stream itself. Could this be? Why could this be? So you are getting logged for the time during the stream. It just looks different in the actual reporting itself, but you are getting credited for everything. Um, basically you get live stats and then you get replay stats. Um, when it, I mean, they're kind of combined together also, but you get stats um, that you can, you know, for when you're streaming and you also get the stats for the replay viewers. So everything is being accounted for. So so you're you're fine. There. Yeah, everything's accounted for. It's just that the reporting is uh, segmented. So that's the, that's the deal. That's there. the word. Yep, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Um, and then we have uh, Rock Lake Meditations by Scott says they do meditation content. The goal of the channel is that the meditation is a passion of theirs. And then the question is, is it okay to have multiple types of meditations on the same channel? Relaxation, focus, and guided. Roberto. So I think it, it I think it depends on when we say niche down, I think everyone gets it confused. And it's less about niching down to a topic versus niching down to an audience and niching down to a goal the audience has or a desire. Even if it's not a goal, goal is much more education based where, but we could put it like this. A goal is nothing more than a desire. So a desire that the audience has. You need to ask yourself, what is the audience desire? What is the audience seeking? What is the audience wish to attain? Attain. What do they wish to acquire? What do they want to have? from what experience are you creating for them? So when you think about this, when you're thoughtful and when you put the audience first, you have to, you have to ask yourself, it's like, okay, what am I communicating about why you should be in my audience? So this is all, this is all actually just social dynamics and psychology when you really think about it. And it comes down to what am I, what is it? If I want to get a certain thing, what's my outcome? What's the goal I want? Okay, great. Is what I'm putting out there going to attract this thing that I want to have, or this group that I want to have, or this group I want to be a part of, or this group that I want to lead, and why? What is making me the person that is going to be a leader in the meditation space? How am I going to become one of the market leaders in the meditation space? So what is it that is what I offer clear, is what I offer desired, and is what I offer good, and like a, and a great experience? Am I offering a great experience? Am I communicating and displaying the value? Am I demonstrating the value correctly? 
And is there a demand? Is there a demand? So I would make, here's a, here's a very clear clue to what I just said, because sometimes I get accused of saying a lot, like, it's like, oh, that's a lot of words for not saying anything. I'm going to give you something actionable from that. It literally comes down to making more of what people want to watch and what people want to watch. It's like, okay, that sounds so simple, Roberto. How do we make what people want to watch? You find evidence of them already watching it. So the thing is, you don't have to guess like, you know, you want to know. Amateurs guess, professionals know. So you find a way to validate what people want, either with your own analytics or someone else's proven public performance. That tells you what demand is. Now you say, great. Now, if that's what people want and what they demand, I'm going to offer that and more in my own way. And so what can you do there? It could be that you're adding variety, or it could be that you double down and you're adding consistency that someone else doesn't have. And this is how you, I can tell you, I can tell you a secret to beating big YouTubers, Nick. I can tell you, you find a big YouTuber, especially like in something, let's say gaming. If I wanted to um, win in YouTube, and this is what Bijou Mike did. This is somebody from my community that has millions of subscribers. Um, I've interviewed him before a couple of years ago at VidSummit before he hit a million subscribers. He's at almost like 4 million now. Here is what Bijou Mike did that was really smart, really clever. A lot of these big YouTubers, they would play a lot of the Japanese dating sim games and anime-based games and hentai-based games and so on and so forth. And you big YouTubers would play this for 10, 20 episodes and then move on. They got tens of millions of views on a thing that they did, and then they abandoned the people who liked that thing and moved on to another game that was more interesting. So you had proof that there were 10 million viewers for a game or a genre of gaming. And then you found, oh, there's no one who specializes in this genre of gaming that these big YouTubers introduced people to, hyped up or finally acknowledged, let people who like these games feel seen, onboarded and built a community. And then a community was built, a community rallied around something, and then a community was abandoned. That's an underserved, proven market. And Bijou Mike said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to pick up all these people that they left behind. Like, so he uh, took all the people who liked when uh, Markiplier played like Doki Doki or something like that, or when PewDiePie played these things or when Jepsepticeye plays things. And he said, okay, for all the millions of viewers that y'all left behind, I got them every day. It's like, boom. So, so one thing that I, that I um, want to mention here also on the, on the meditation channel, um, because I, I actually, you know, from time to time, we'll, we'll listen to that type of content. Yeah. Um, as somebody that is probably like one of your ideal viewers, um, mixing the content up like that, like relaxation, uh, meditation, focus meditation, guided meditation, I actually prefer that versus it just being the one thing. And the reason for that is just because, you know, as you know, like you, you know, you might need, you know, different things at different times. So because of that, um, I think that what it is that you're doing as somebody that actually watches your type of content, um, I think keeping it, you know, where you have relaxation, meditation, focus, meditation, and then guided meditation. Um, I think, I think that that's perfectly fine because you're yeah. still hitting that group of people that are, you know, wanting to like meditate or wanting to have some type of you know, other thing while they're meditating. They have all um, kinds so, of moods that they could desire. They could desire yeah. different moods at different times for different reasons. You, 
Yeah, and you could you can definitely dial it in if you wanted to to where it was only guided meditations, and then you could you know have the goal of building like the best guided meditation channel on YouTube. Um, I mean, you could definitely do that, and you might you know kind of dilute things a little bit you know by having relaxation focused and guided. Um, but if you you know if you do have that, you are kind of opening yourself up just a little bit more. Um, but really, you'll have those you know three pillars if you're sticking to those, and then moving forward you know, everybody that, you know, is interacting with your channel over time, they'll know that like, hey, you know, they do this on these days, this on these days, and this on these days. And, um, and you know, for the people that are going to get involved with what it is that you're doing, you know, they'll, they'll easily understand it. But I think that um, having all three of those on that one meditation channel, I think you're perfectly fine. I picked, um, the, five, I, I picked the five most popular types of meditations that I've ever performed ever on YouTube, the five best types of so guide meditation, this one, that one. I picked the five. And then I make a lifelong uh, career channel goal. I make a channel goal and like see how effectively and quickly I can go 100 deep on each of those five. I would have a 500 video lifetime plan and just say, because I can't lose. I can't lose if I have five, 100 videos of the five most popular things in my niche. How am I going to lose having quality and quantity and value that goes with that much depth and that much uh, a reasonable amount of width? How am I going to lose? Boom. Super Riverside Homestead Life says emergency preparedness, prepping tips, patriotic news that affects everyone, 270,000 subscribers in about a year. Thank you for all your help. Starting an email list uh, tips and with what email platform, best way to get people signed up strategy. So um, starting an email list tips, um, this the easiest way to do it is you have something in return for their email address. Um, as part of that, I mean, that could be a newsletter, um, that could be something that they can download, that can be, you know, additional videos, it can be those sorts of things, but you want to have something that people can get in exchange for giving you their email address. Um, so that would be, you know, step number one. For that, you would need um, like a website of some kind. Um, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, you just need a page to where you know people can go see exactly what it is that they're going to get in exchange for the email and then they can actually input their email address there whatever email platform that you use they will most likely have like pages that you can send people to there um, but if you wanted to just present it in a better way then in that case you might want to look into uh, you know building just like a one-page website that would be that landing page a popular thing that people use for that um, is like optimized press um, but you can use you know you can get just like one page templates off of like the Envato marketplace and things like that um, when it comes to the email platform um, that really comes down to like how aggressive you're going to be so like if you're going to be really aggressive with the email then you probably don't want to use mailchimp um, but if you're going to be like super aggressive then in that case platforms like um, uh, aweber are more kind of in tune with you know like affiliate marketing and you know things like that um, so you can get away with a little bit more there than you can with this, uh, a service like mailchimp I, um, roberto what, what's I, your feedback I, I probably get something with like maybe you get convert kit by the way you can use my affiliate yeah convert kit too yeah and maybe you get convert kit because they also have um e-commerce built into convert kit if you don't want to set up a whole online store per se but i would probably use something like that or i would use something like that and then shopify or whatever because here's what i would do if i was them and they have two hundred and seventy thousand youtube subscribers here's what i would do there's two things i there's three things i would do i would definitely start this um news um letter and i'd be like hey what's up preppers and patriots like you know here is our community newsletter and everything like that we're going to give you the most valuable resources and everything like that that's a value add on its own but i also probably write a guide and it's like probably 30 days uh to prepping and it's like you know 
And it's not just for um, it's it's for um, rookies and veterans. And so I probably do that because it's a really good value add to it's like, oh, yes, tell me more. And like maybe there's things I'm overlooking or I want to see if I'm so clever that I've done most of the things on this 30 day guide. And so that's your freebie. But also the wait, there's more. Uh, thing I would do for if I were you, I'd it's a um, and this is why people coach with me by the way. This is why this would be exactly who my coaching client would be. Yeah, he's for hire by the way. Just in case um you guys know, if you just go to awesomecreatoracademy.com, you can actually have this on tap. <laughs> yeah, but what I would do is I would have um the you know the preppers starter kit or starter pack. Yeah, the prepper starter pack. And I would probably have the Patriot starter pack, and I would have both these products, and they'd be either like fifty to ninety nine dollars. And I would have something of massive value to my community that I sell for 50 to $100. I would have that. I'd be able to promote that in every one of my email newsletters at the bottom of my email newsletter and everything like that. Hey, Preppers and Patriots, make sure you're checking out, you know, the Preppers starter pack, everything that we found for online resources that we consolidated in one place for you to start your prep journey. Hey, Patriots, it's like, here's everything you need to know. And here is the starter pack for you and everything like that for your resources to protect your liberty. Boom. I, I know I speak to my audience. I know what their values are. I build a product that's centric around them. I build a newsletter that consolidates their beliefs and ideals as a community. And I position directly against that. And I also name the community and yeah, B, boom, there you go. One, two, three. The rest is history. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, hopefully, um, hopefully all of that, uh, all that makes sense. But the, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to think of like just something, you know, like Roberto was talking about the different starter kits and stuff. Um, like that's stuff that you could sell on the back end. Um, but you definitely need to come up with something that it, that would just be a value, you know, to the, to the yep. community that would encourage them to want to sign up for it. Like, Oh, all I got to do to get this thing, um, or to be a part of this is just sign up for this. Yeah. Right? And I think the big um, thing for you is like talking about the community and that's the community's newsletter. Because yeah. I think you have a very specific community that wants their point of view like represented and wants to consolidate their, you know, beliefs as a community. Nice. And be spoken to and so, acknowledged as a community. You uh, empathize, validate, and then offer something. So Roberto, thank you so much for coming on um, today. I'm going to close down the stream. Thank you everybody for um, hanging out in the um, stream today. I hope that you got some type of value out of this. I do want to just remind everybody, um, first, you can get Roberto's book um, down in the description. There's a, a link down there. You can just go to Amazon and just look for this um, right here. That link's always down there for these live streams. Um, and also you can, you know, work with Roberto and see all, everything he has to offer over at awesomecreatoracademy.com. But um uh, so make sure that you check out all that stuff. But if you're a new content creator, um, just some things that I want to just help you remember is that, you know, when it comes to YouTube, it is a learning curve. And, you know, some of the things that we talked about, you know, might be things that you can start, you know, working on right now. Other things, you know, you might just need to, you know, work on some other things until you get there, wherever it is that you are in the process, like you got this, like you can get there, um, just embrace the learning curve and try not to get discouraged because this stuff can be hard. That's why, you know, every YouTube channel doesn't blow up and more people quit than that actually, you know, make it into like, you know, full time or just having like really successful thriving channels. So because of that, just embrace the learning curve and understand that, you know, you just have to, you know, get the skills up and make sure that you're, you know, getting to the point to where you're making competitive content and then everything will start falling into place, right? So focus all of your efforts on just 
developing the skills and then understanding your audience and how you can connect with them and deliver excellent content to them. So have a fantastic rest of your uh, weekend. And I'll see you next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern as well. And I, I do have also a bunch of links down in the description to other helpful like tools and resources for you as a content creator. So make sure you check them out um, on the way out. And really quick, I'm just gonna do a quick lightning answer to the super chats that came in because um, you know they paid, so I don't wanna leave them hanging. So really I'm quick. I'm also hanging them in the chat. Right. All right. So um, Spike Wade says, any tips on merch, niches, anime, ma uh, manga, what should be the focus? So yeah, so just create a shop over at like Spreadshop. And then since it is um, anime and manga, you are going to have like copyright problems there if you try to, you know, make merch about things that are already created. So because of that, you might want to try to create your own like unique anime and manga, con uh, you know, merch, and then make those available to people and showcase them in your videos, make sure you buy them yourself and you wear them in your videos, that kind of stuff. So yeah. then it's like, not only do I have this available, but it's good enough for me too. <laughs> right? yeah, focus on so, memes um, and make something that doesn't violate copyright in the aesthetic of the show. Yes. And uh, Riverside Home, super thank tracked. you for the um, super sticker. And On the Block with super Jen um, says, I got 4,000 subscribers. I go live five nights a week, but average 40 viewers while doing so. It doesn't add up. Help. Also, I missed my reach by playing a lot of copyright music months ago. Um, I don't do it now. So you don't mess up your reach when you play copyright protected music. Um, what happens is you end up getting a copyright claim or a copyright strike, which basically just means if it's a strike, which most people don't do these days, um, if it's a strike, then of course, you know, you had that, that's definitely a negative. It would have, you know, it would have caused you to lose your live streaming capabilities for a little bit of time, that kind of stuff. But most likely it was a claim. If it's a claim, it, it's not going to negatively impact the, um, the video. It just means that you're not going to make the ad revenue from that. Um, in terms of you having 4,000 subscribers, but 40 viewers, Keep in mind, um, I've got 870 something thousand subscribers on mine and I've got 300. So if we were to, you know, you know, scale that out, we're probably in a similar boat. So keep in mind, not everybody that subscribes to your YouTube channel um, likes live streams, um, unless it's the only content that you're putting out, then maybe so. But, you know, you got to make sure that you also remember that, you know, not everybody is available when you're live streaming. So you, let's say you have 100 subscribers out of those 100 subscribers. First, the thing that you're doing in your live stream is only going to be relevant or important to a percentage of those people. And then in addition to that, the, um, you're going to have to segment out the people out of that group that also enjoy like live streams. Then you got to segment out those people that are enjoying live streams into the people that are available to be online right now when you're actually going live, right? So as soon as you start adding in variables like that, it really starts clamping down on the amount of people that are even available for your live stream. So just make sure when you are live streaming to give yourself the best chance there that you are looking in your analytics to see when your audience is online and that you are going live when you have the most of uh, the largest percentage of your viewers online. Yeah, subscribers so everybody have nothing to do with your views, whether it's live, VODs, shorts, none of it. It's typically yeah. topic, title, thumbnail, and timing. And especially for live, it's timing. It's about whether right. they are awake aware and available and active on the platform to begin with. So Nick is a hundred percent. So everybody have an awesome rest of your weekend and um, I will see you next Saturday. Stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.